is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you had an awesome weekend. Welcome to another week and a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Lots to get to after the Jets opened up their season on a winning note on Friday night. We got a first crack at seeing the Manitoba Moose on the weekend as well. Bombers, without many of their starters, played uh, played well, valiantly hung in there. A couple big mistakes, though, ended up being the difference for the British Columbia Lions, who got a huge win on Saturday night. Bombers now to the bye week. We'll be all over Jets, Bombers, and a little Moose talk as well today on the program, as well as the National Hockey League. Jets are in Dallas tonight to take on the Stars, and Dave Poulin. We'll be on the broadcast tonight, and Pooley's going to join us in a few minutes to get his thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets start to the season, as well as a few other interesting teams in the National Hockey League. After that, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press will jump on, talk mostly Jets, but we'll get his thoughts on the Bombers. And then Ted Wyman, a little later on from the Winnipeg Sun, with his thoughts on the Bombers, 14-3, and heading into the bye week with one more game, and then a date with the winner of the West semifinal November 13th at IG Field for a trip to the Grey Cup in Regina. Great to have you all with us, folks. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Hit that red subscribe button for those of you watching on YouTube. And make sure that you are subscribed and downloading to the Winnipeg Sports Talk audio podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. We are live every day, 1 o'clock Central on YouTube. And the podcast is ready just in time for your drive home from work right around 3.30 Monday to Friday. Uh, a big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. We couldn't do it without the amazing support we have from the likes of Princess Auto, Not Auto Corp, Cool Bet Canada, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Boston Pizza, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, Canadian Club Whiskey, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course, our favorite local brew, Little Brown Jug. Welcome to everyone in chat. Let's get this thing going and welcome in Michael Remus. Remo, what's up? How was your weekend? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, pretty good weekend. Uh, I think I signaled the end of summer, put away like my patio furniture, put a tarp over it. So that was yesterday. Really nice day out. It was also nice to get out on Saturday with you at the Manitoba Moose home opener that was um well the first two periods were pretty good on saturday sunday a much better much better performance uh for all three periods from the manitoba well, moose yeah i <laughs> i still cannot believe i blame balls for uh assuming that the game was done after uh, the second period uh yeah rockford stormed back to uh get it to ot and win the game on saturday afternoon Sunday was a different story, though. The Moose shutting out Rockford for nothing. And um, listen, it was great to see both Chaz Lucius got his first goal on Saturday. Brad Lambert got his first goal on Sunday. And listen, we're going to spend most of our time talking Jets, but just I know there's been a lot of excitement about Brad Lambert. He really stood out, was playing on a line with our guy Stenny, Kevin Stenland, and Jeff Malott, one of the top players from the Moose last year. They looked really good. But maybe most interesting, Remo, was the way that Brad Lambert was being used by um, Mark Morrison on the power play, which was basically in that Nikolai Ehlers role of being the trailer coming through, getting a pass with speed in the neutral zone and using his speed to gain zone control and his zone entry with the puck. And uh, 
listen, I'm uh, excited to see what Brad Lambert's going to be able to do this season with the Manitoba Moose. And I think it is somewhat telling the role that he's playing right now with Manitoba that there may be a time later on this season, depending on what happens with players in the top six, that there might be a call up for uh, for the young Finn. Uh, but he certainly didn't look out of place at all in the American Hockey League in game number one. That yep. being said, Remo- oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, that was the line on Saturday. On Sunday, Harkins and Tony Nato got into the lineup, and uh, Lambert was on a line with them. So uh, what better way to get used to playing with the NHL than playing with a couple uh, former well, guys who've had a lot of NHL experience in Harkins and Tony Nato. So you just had yeah, to add, yeah. add that in. Yeah, no Hark or Tony on, uh, on Saturday, but they did get into the lineup on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, but, of course, we got to start it off with the Winnipeg Jets. And, by the way, thanks again to uh, the folks at the team who had us out to do the show live from the arena on Friday. It was a lot of fun. We'll hopefully do that a few more times this season. And uh, we did get a chance to sample some of the new concession items before the game we'll maybe talk about that later on or at another date we are going to do some some video and some content surrounding one of our favorite topics and that's food at the games uh but i'll tell you what man that team sure looked ready to go on friday night and uh maybe i guess before we do anything remote we got to talk about rick bonus's situation absolutely bizarre i mean i remember we were just clearing up and packing up getting out of the building before coming back for the game after the show and got that tweet just a couple hours before game time that Rick Bonus had come down and tested positive for COVID-19 and wouldn't be behind the bench. Apparently, this might be the first game that he'd ever missed, which blew me away. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing from the coach at some point. It doesn't sound like he'll be able to rejoin the team for the return to Dallas, where he had just been the head coach. Sort of a uh, weird start to the uh, to the year for Rick, but uh, his team certainly came out that first period, Reem. Uh, was exactly, I think, what Rick Bonus has been trying to get out of this club for the uh, entirety of the preseason and training camp. Now, credit to the New York Rangers. They had a big, big push in the second period. And as we heard from Scott Arneal, he wasn't pleased with the turnovers and some of the things that the Winnipeg Jets did and got back into in the second. Uh, but to their credit, third period, grinded it out, and there was the fourth line making a difference. How many times did we say that last year? Not very often. Sam Gagne getting what would end up being the winning goal to break a 1-1 tie with David Gustafson and Saku Manalainen involved in the play and in the shift and the goal. And uh, then Mark Scheifele got his second. Kyle Connor popping in an empty netter, and the Jets win 4-1 and uh, get off to the, a great start for this season. And now we start the first road trip tonight against Dallas. What uh, what do you think of the uh, the home opener? Yeah, they got off to a, a really strong start. Um, you know, having more shot attempts than the Rangers. But the second period, it kind of went back in the Rangers' favor. And in the third period, when they tied it, you're like, uh uh oh. But uh, it was four or five minutes left. Sam Gagne, a couple whacks in front, was able to put home the game winning goal. And that fourth line, I mean, they got some serious minutes, Huss, more than we've seen at five on five, uh, just over eight minutes. And they de- and they had a positive um, shot attempt differential. So you like to see that being trusted. And you just that's just a nice play from the fourth line on that goal. Gustafson pins the guy behind the net. Main line goes and gets it, passes it to Gagne in front, and he scores. And Sam Gagne, we had talked how we were huge fans of the sign. We thought he could bring an impact in. Um, what better, you know, we t- and I said on, uh, what was it, 
Friday's show as well. You know, the fourth line last year, they didn't get a whole lot of offense out of it. And what better way to try to get offense on your fourth line than completely change it? And with Gagne, Manalainen, and Gustafson, um, they got a goal at a time when they definitely needed one. And you saw those guys out there in the last five minutes. That's something that probably wouldn't have happened in the last couple of years. And really nice to see the coaching staff uh, trust in their players and the players saying, hey, you trust us, we'll uh, help you guys out here. And they put the go-ahead goal and you know, had a couple exclamation points after that one with Shifley, beautiful shot, and Kyle Connor empty net. Yeah, uh, you know, it, listen, it was um, that was a great, great subplot to the game, the fourth line being involved. Um, and, you know, I thought the Lowry line um, at times was, you know, especially in that first period, actually ended up generating a couple really nice chances. Morgan Barron had a point-blank shot. I thought he looked really good so far in the season. And then, you know, as far as the top six goes, um, listen, the top line had issues, and I saw Maul in chat saying that second period looked like the last three years. Uh, yeah. There's definitely, there's def <laughs> there's definitely some flashbacks. <laughs> there's definitely some truth to that statement. Um, you know, and part of it was, you know, being sloppy with the puck. The puck management wasn't there, and, you know, as Scott O'Neill said, you know, when you start giving the puck away the way they did, um, you can look pretty slow very quickly, and that is exactly what happened. But to their credit, got it back on track, and really pushed the pace in that third period and ended up getting the win. The one thing that I'll say about that second period, Remo, is it gave our guy Connor Hellebuck plenty of opportunities to show that uh, he is starting off the season at an elite level. He was absolutely phenomenal. Really throughout the game, he was just a rock, but especially in that second period, there were some big-time saves that the Winnipeg Jets absolutely needed him to make, and he did. He kept them in the hockey game, and they were able to reward him for a win. And the fans that were in the building were also rewarded with a vintage Hellebuck first-star celebration after making 40 saves in the game. Yeah, he was awesome. Stopping guys on breakaway, um, what is he, like 39 of 41 saves. Uh, he was very good, and he was their best player when he needed to be. And um, I don't know if it's the Jets, uh, you know, their new defensive system, keeping shots to the outside, but there were some, you know, ch very chances in tight. He had to make saves, breakaways, uh, at least one, I think it was Panarin with the backhand. Um, he looked very strong, and if the Jets are going to go anywhere this year, they need Connor Hellbuck to be uh, at his best, and when he's at his best, he can be the best goalie in the league. So uh, a lot hinging uh, on him, but he looked good, his celebration good. You'd love to see him fired up after the game. Uh, as you mentioned, the fishing first star celebration. Uh, if you look at the thumbnail, a picture I took, it's him doing the what the bow and arrow after the game. <laughs> so you love to see them having fun, uh, celebrating. It was a great win for game one, and I definitely had some flashbacks. So in the first period, I'm like, you know what, this team, maybe they are, you know, going to turn it around from last. Night. They have some really talented players. Ehlers flying up the ice, Cal Connor shooting from everywhere, Mark Shifley scoring two goals, and then the second period, you're like, oh no, are we going to have 20, 20, uh, 21 part two here, but uh, third period was was much better. So uh, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a long season. It's not gonna go in a straight line, but you want to get off to you know right start here with a win against the Rangers coming off a back to back. I know. Look, you can say, hey, you know they won. Look, they won against the Rangers who played the you know three and four nights and back to back. Well, last year those weren't guaranteed wins. Huh. so take, oh, take what you can get i think yeah and uh 
Listen, I mean, this entire thing, I mean, you know, it's great that they had a, a, a good training camp and, you know, finished the preseason strong and a great start to the uh, to the season with that really, really good first period. Uh, but I think it's naive to think that it's going to just, you know, completely be turned around like that. And uh, there's going to be a lot of work to be done. You know, they'll be, you'll learn some mistakes the hard way. I think they sort of did in the second period. Um, uh, but either way, a nice way to start the season, getting a win on home ice in front of the home fans. And now it is off to take on the Dallas Stars. A couple of things that stood out, though, just about the uh, the game night, Reem. Um, you know, enjoyed a lot of the tweaks that the teams made production-wise. I was, um, you know, if you were in the building, it was uh, it was a really, really good atmosphere, a fun crowd. I think they were about 800 short of a sellout, uh, or at least what the number that the team put out. Um, but certainly a lot more energy in the building than we had for a good part of last season. And, um, you know, there was a number of funny things that happened, uh, you know, at the game. Yes, you know, with fan interaction and some of the things they were doing. My favorite, though, that showed that the fans that were there that are still behind this team were ready to go was when they flashed a baby on the screen wearing a New York Razors jersey, and the baby was roundly booed by everyone else. That said that the fans were ready to go for the drop of the puck this season as well, booing I, the baby in the visiting jersey. I saw that we were there early uh, sampling, uh, sampling some food. And I thought the atmosphere felt like a bit of a party. They got DJs hyping up everyone, uh, people walking around, um, ready to celebrate the return of the Jets and the start of the season. You hope they fans can continue it for the rest of the season. But I thought for game one, it was pretty strong. And I know the next home game on Saturday against Toronto, cool. uh, that is, that is going to be a game to be at, Hustler. So uh, re- really strong start, I thought, for the fans there. Um, there was one thing that fans did notice, especially when they scored the go-ahead goal, was Sam Gagne's goal song. And people are wanting, no one's talking about the game. We want to talk, they want to hear us rate, <laughs> rate the goal songs. And yes, yeah, Sam Gagne uh, was the killers, Mr. Brightside, and people were fired up. And I think we've been talking about the theory of personal goal songs for a long time in NHL. You know, you got walk-up songs and baseball. And the closer's got his intro song that he comes on. I mean, you saw Edwin Diaz went completely viral with his entry. Tommy Trumpet. Tommy Trumpet. But uh, the Jets doing their personalized goal songs. And I'm a huge fan. And thank you to the Jets for releasing everyone's uh, on on their social media. Now we can rate and discuss which players we like even more or less than before. Scott Billick's got to be in a jam here. I'm sure he was incredibly fired up when his favorite song, Sandstorm, became Adam Lowry's goal song. Problem is, they probably won't get played regularly throughout the season if it's only being used for Adam Lowry's goal song. So Accurate. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Now, Shifley, Pop 2, his, his song is called, what, The Greatest Showman? Yeah, is that from the movie with Hugh Jackman? I'm apparently, as I said, you know me. I don't have a very good uh, uh, grasp of uh, current popular movies or movies at all. So I, 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 I still have no idea about the song. I think we were hooting and hollering too much after the goals to uh, really listen to it. Um, but it was interesting uh, that the uh, that that the that that was it and. Hey, he put a show along with his line put on a show, three goals to get things going. Yes, the greatest show 
by the greatest showman. And um, hey, he was a pretty good showman and, and real nice start to the season for Shifley. God knows we spent a lot of oxygen talking about his situation last season as well as coming out of the year. And it had seemed to be very positive going up and uh, going into the year. And I'll tell you what, it was a, a very nice start for that top line of Ehlers, Connor, and Mark Shifley with uh, Shifley being the guy that popped two right out of the gate. Yeah, you look good. Um, you know, the passing on that power play goal, I mean, and the one-timer, uh, so nice. I mean, that could be a very strong line this year, and they definitely showed showed that. Um, we didn't hear the goal song from the second line there. Um, Wheeler, Dubois, and Perfetti. I think, you know, maybe it'll come tonight. Game, you know, game one together for that line. We'll see, see how it goes. Wheeler in, in the second line role. But if you want to talk, are we going to go through our rating of these goals? I do like Wheeler's goal song, Hypnotize. Uh, by uh, Notorious excellent, B.I.G. Excellent choice by Wheeler, who, by the way, I thought had an awesome game. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot made of, uh, you know, his situation going into this season. If you had any concerns as to uh, what Wheeler was going to look like in uh, game number one, um, he was there. I really like that line, to be honest with you. Dubois ready to go, and Cole Perfetti seems to get more comfortable and more dangerous each and every time he's on the ice. Um, so hypnotized for Notorious B from Notorious B.I.G. for Wheeler. Uh, what did Dubois have? Dubois had some sort of, I imagine this is some sort of like a, a dance music. Yeah, an electro it was song. something like that. Um, hey Baby by DJ Otzi. I'm not DJ familiar. Otzi. I'm not we familiar may have with to check that, that one out. We have, and then, uh, and Perfetti, who did not get on the scoreboard, but will. Booyah by ASAP Ferg, the Rivas and Ayeo remix. Yeah. We're going to have to search that one up as well gonna have to search that one up yeah we did see mr brightside get played for sam gagne as he said the greatest showman and a luke combs song for kyle connor one too many um i have a feeling that we'll be hearing that quite a bit uh, after seeing all of these i'll tell you what we uh, hopefully logan stanley scores so we can hear still dre by dr dre and dylan Demello with montel jordan this is how we yeah. do it that will be rocking. If if DeMello can score on home ice in front of the home fans, that will be a moment where we yeah. can all celebrate one of the great party jams of all time, Montel Jordan, and this is how we do it. Yeah, and some guys going with their favorite songs. I felt like Nate Schmidt went with the comedy song, the <laughs> troll song. It reminds me, Hess, of when I would go uh, to a jukebox in a bar and just end up clearing the room for picking whatever song. And Nate Schmidt going with... Mambo number five, um, Lou Bega, which hilarious to me. So I that was my favorite, personally my favorite pick. Uh, Got to have fun. I think it says no surprise. You know, if you had to say which player is going to have uh, the joke song, uh, it would be Nate Schmidt. It would yeah. definitely be Nate Schmidt. And by the way, I, I listen. I'm not familiar with Snook or the song Mister Cool. But I'll tell you what, after meeting Axel Janssen Fjallby last week and seeing his look, he does look like Mr. Cool. So uh, I'm not sure about the song, but certainly the title is a great, great uh, selection for a guy that looks about as cool as possible. Yeah, and someone tweeted at me that they weren't a fan of uh, of Neil Pionk's pick of Renegade by Styx. <laughs> and I just responded to him with a picture of Billy Madison on the car. Uh, showing off his Ario Speedwagon t-shirt. I don't know how you could get mad at that song. That's a classic. 
So and a couple <laughs> classic arena like Dylan Samberg. It's funny the two uh, Minnesota guys, Hermantown, going with classic rock. Uh, Dylan Samberg back in black and Neil Pionk with Sticks. Uh, Morgan Barron also with Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. Well, that's um, not too bad. And then of course yeah. the che- the redheaded cheesehead himself, Mason Appleton. Grabbing the Packers touchdown song. Is that what he picked? <laughs> yeah, that's bang on the drum all day. That's the uh, that's the, oh the Packers song. Okay, I won't bother doing it, but um, yeah, that's <laughs> what they play after every Packers song. So I thought that was pretty cool. And to be honest with you, considering where the Packers started, we might have a better chance of listening to Ooh. that song being played at the win at the uh, Canada Life Center than at Lambeau Field right now. Uh, although we'll talk some NFL a little bit later on. Uh, but there you go. It's all there. Oh, and by the way, Brendan Dillon with This Is Why I'm Hot? <laughs> Come on. There you go. <laughs> we need our. We need the defenseman. Like, Rick Bonus wants more than 24 goals from this, this blue line this year. The fans demand it so we can hear some of the best selections on the Jets' personal goal song selections for the upcoming season. So, uh, someone said in chat, oh, it's your boy Bruce. I could discuss this for hours, and <laughs> I, I agree. And Bruce never- is a Bruce is a DJ man. He would have some great takes on this. In fact, you know, Bruce, fire us something maybe on Twitter. Give us your rankings of the top five, okay, or, or maybe and maybe some sleeper ones that we don't know right now that fans will will enjoy. He can be our uh, our music and goal song correspondent for WST. Yeah, someone asked us uh, ours. I haven't really thought about it, but uh, maybe we'll come up with our rankings for the end of the show and our, our personal goal song. But it seems like they're having fun, and I think that's kind of the theme of the season. Us, uh, we're gonna have gonna have fun. We're a family. Um, you know, they're kind of going more behind the scenes on, on social media. You definitely saw that after after the game with the jacket presentation. Hustler yes, David. two David. jackets now. Yeah, two jackets. So here, let me throw up the picture. What there was unsung hero of the game, which Sam Gagne got, and then the other jacket, um, what play like that Hellbuck got. Was that first start player of the game? Is that you No, know, we're gonna need some clarification on that. I wasn't sure whether Sam Gagne got the player of the game or the big goal of the game, whatever it was, no, it... and then Shifley gave Hellebuck the jersey as being the rock of the team the backbone and uh, he got it but yes yeah, some nice leather jackets with a little canada flag on them i guess they've retired the helmet now and mm-hmm. it's uh all about getting the leather after be, wins i'm gonna be honest my first thought when i heard they were handing out a jacket was like are these guys showering and putting on the jacket after the game or are they just putting it right on because it could get kind of smelly you know if everyone's i guess they you wash it it's a leather leather jacket us, but that was my first thought. Are they showering and then putting it on, or just putting it straight on after their gear? Because that would get it would get gross. Yeah, well, they just—I mean, we don't need to ask the question. We saw it in the video that they put out after the game when they did the presentation. Yeah, it's right after the game, so it's like um, at, you're out of equipment and you're putting on this jacket. I don't think I could do that. I'd feel—I <laughs> wouldn't want to put it on. That's gross. You know what? I have a feeling that's their last thought. They're celebrating a game, but who knows? Maybe the maybe they'll that's... be maybe there's one big germaphobe on the team that says thank you very much for the jacket, just sort of holds it like that. Way to go, guys! Good game, and then puts it aside. Maybe the trainers, maybe the trainers are the guys that have to um, take care of it after they get thrown on. This is the presentation right here. 
Yeah. And uh, they're holding their it. They're basically in half gear. So, yeah. Like, that's what I'm thinking about. I don't think anyone else is thinking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't think either. <laughs> putting on a jacket, like, after you just played hockey and, like, sharing the jacket around. But that's what I think about. <laughs> I don't know. That was my first thought. <laughs> Same with the same with the helmet too. I think the, that's probably why they changed the helmet because it's all gross. With uh, <laughs> after putting it on after you just played a game, no, that's why they retired it. <laughs> you know what? I hope that there are major issues with this because the jackets are being given out after every game all season after big wins. We'll uh, we'll we'll do some digging on this as to how the jacket is being received and you know the timing of it all. But it does seem like after the game, no showers throw the damn jacket on, whoop it up with the fellas, then go shower and move on to game number two. Speaking of game number two, um, and listen, I do want to get to a little bit of Scott Arneal here before we uh, bring in Dave Poulin on the show. Um, because, of course, as we mentioned, you know, it was, uh, it was a really unfortunate way to start the season without Rick Bonus, who had been, you know, in a lot of ways, sort of the star of camp, um, you know, establishing a new way of doing things, um, being pretty clear and forthright with his players, but also the fans and the media. And, you know, would have been a great sort of homecoming for Rick um, being back on the bench in the home opener. But he wasn't there. Scott Arneal took over the associate coach on the bench in rather strange circumstances. Um, and here's a little bit of Arnie, who uh, spoke uh, heading into tonight's game in Dallas over the course of the weekend about um, going another game without Rick Bonus and uh, the change in his role for the home opener, and obviously that'll be repeated tonight. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? It, obviously, it's a uh, you know I'm talking to him a little bit more than maybe than I would. Uh, Rick's given all of us a lot of responsibility, um, whether it's you know practice drills or whether it's showing video, uh, different uh, you know different things that we're presenting the team through training camp. So. We, it's not like all of a sudden I haven't stood up in front of the players or, or Lau or, or Marty. I mean, it's what we've done. So, um, you know, we have our assignments kind of prior going into this. And it's really more, for me, it's more talking to the team prior to games, uh, between periods, those type of things, maybe a, a start of practice, that type of stuff. So it doesn't change our, our workload a whole lot. All right, so a little bit more of Scott Arneal, who uh, got the win on the bench as the head coach in uh, the place of Rick Bonus, who was out. Um, Rick Bonus did. He will not be on the bench today. They are hoping uh, that he can be on the bench in a couple days in Denver. If all goes well, he will join the team there. Um, but he did do a FaceTime with the, I uh, believe, the coaches, and maybe the players will find out a little bit more about that later on, but certainly has been in touch with all them, and I'm sure he'll have a lot to say to his assistants about a team he knows very, very well in the Dallas Stars who will be the host for tonight. Uh, but the message certainly doesn't change with Scott O'Neill behind the bench, just working on what they've been working on throughout the entire preseason. Here's a little bit more of Arnie on uh, being the head coach tonight without Rick Bonus. I mean, uh, you know, that's I'm, I'm somewhat vocal too, so I think it's just... Uh, and it's not in a negative way. It's it's more, you know, it's just making sure that we're playing the right way. And I talked to them after the second period, and, you know, they knew I didn't have to say much. You know, they knew that the New York Rangers didn't all of a sudden just change their system and do something that we hadn't seen before. It was a lot to do with us. And so they recognize it. And those first uh, three or four shifts, uh, the start of the third period, is exactly how we wanted to play. And it kind of got everybody. They kind of, the accountability part came from them. They're the ones that uh, knew that if we were going to win that hockey game, we had to change up how we were playing in that second. 
Well, that was uh, quite obvious to everyone watching the game. That second was not a path to victory, but uh, as the coach just mentioned, um, a nice turnaround in the third period. Big goal from Sam Gagne, insurance from Shifley and Connor, and a 4-1 win for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, uh, Arneal did expand a little bit more on the team wanting to uh, learn from the new staff and the buy-in they've had from the players. Yeah, it, you know, it's not too often where the whole team stays and all the coaching staff is new. And I think that, uh, you know, we're coming in here with just our verbiage, the way we talk to them, the way we do things different that they haven't, you know, that guys may have done it somewhere else or whatever, but just maybe the last few years they haven't seen it that way. We, do, we just are doing things a lot different. Um, it doesn't mean it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but I think it's just been refreshing. That's the biggest thing I've gotten from the players. That, you know, it's different, it's refreshing, and so... Um, we won't, you know, we'll continue to do that. I'm sure a year from now, they'll say, oh, these guys are <laughs> same old, same old. But at the end of the day, it's, it's that oomph, that push, that, that blast that we want from these guys. And we saw it last night, especially the way we played in that first period. We're hoping that is the start of, you know, 82 games like that. There's a Scott O'Neill, and uh, certainly, um, I think I could, by most people, talk to a lot of folks at the first intermission, and they were like, whoa, where did that come from? It was a nice change from what happened last year. And interesting about the feedback that you know he and the coaching staff have been getting from a from group and players that have been here for a long time um, that are certainly welcoming um, the new strategies, the new system, and the new atmosphere around the Winnipeg Jets. Arneal talked a little bit more about their level of communication between the coaching staff and the team. Well, I think that the biggest thing for us is we've said from the beginning we're family, and that's from Mark Chipman to our trainers to our PR guys to the coaching staff to you know all the players that – we're a family, and we went to, we went up to Banff together. We did all kinds of things together. That if we're doing something, they want us to be a part of it. And obviously, we we involve them in a lot of our decisions. Uh, you know, there's some things obviously that when it comes to roster stuff like that, it's a little different. But it's travel plans. It's uh, you know days off. It's different things that we're going to them and we're talking to them, and we want their feel on it. We want their input. Um, so we're really trying to keep uh, dialogue going both ways and uh, they want it from us and we want it from them so we've uh, Rick started it that way right from the get-go and uh, we've talked about you know being one big family and so far uh, the communication has been great all right uh, Jets associate coach Scott Arneal who will be acting as the head coach tonight in Dallas in game number two while Rick Bonus is on the mend after testing positive for COVID-19 as we talked about right off the beginning of the program the emergence of the fourth line in that third period, the fact that they were out there and rewarding the coaching staff with that decision with what ended up being the winning goal was a huge, huge part of the game. And of course, Sam Gagne was front and center, getting the jacket and getting the winning goal in his first game as a Winnipeg Jet. Arneal commented a little bit more on the uh, veteran Gagne who had the winner and played a big role in the Jets' win. Anytime you have a veteran experience and he can... Any wisdom that or words he has to say to young guys, it's amazing how they just latch onto that. And we're seeing it with Dubois and Wheeler with Perfetti. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it really, it helps those players. I mean, we can teach and we can help them. But when those guys are on the ice in the middle of, they've experienced, Sam has experienced an awful lot in his career. And just to give them a little, just a little uh, detail on maybe how to, where to be in a certain situation or how to place a stick or whatever it is. Uh, those miles that he's put on and he's learned uh, over the years, it's great when those guys can pass that along. All right, so a little bit more on Sam Gagne. And one more clip from Arnie. And um, this is overall in that fourth line. I mean, we saw Saku Manalainen in his Jets debut. 
Sam Gagne in his Jets debut, and David Gustafson, who's had a long path to the National Hockey League and a few real unfortunate setbacks last season, being injured early in both of his two call-ups. Um, you know, played great. I thought Menelainen and Gustafson were very good on the PK. Uh, but again, it was that line that made the difference late in that third period. Here's Arnie on the uh, confidence that the coaching staff has in that fourth line. Well, first, I think, yeah, they have shown us a lot that gives us confidence to do that. But we have talked about this being a four-line team. And it's a lot of games. And uh, the schedule with uh, when it gets crazy, like next week, you need bodies, you need numbers, you need everybody eat up minutes. And we put the same responsibility on that line as we do with our top line. You know, I talked about, you know, our top line going against the other team's top line. There's a lot of responsibility there for them on how they're playing without the puck. Well, our fourth line knows that when they go out, you know, it's probably uh, the same situation that they got to make the right decisions. And if you can reward them, like, you know, putting them out late in games like that, and then they respond the way they do, all that does is grow their confidence. It grows their confidence in their teammates to be out in the ice with them or to watch them go out there and do that. And like I said, uh, you know, you guys asked me a couple of weeks ago, I know Bones was talking about, we need to be a four-line team. We need to be, we're fast, and we need to be, play fast and you, it's hard to play fast when you're only running three lines and so when, especially when you get a busy, a busy schedule like it's coming up this week all right a little bit of uh audio from scott arneal who will be behind the bench for the winnipeg jets when they uh play their first road game of the season tonight against the dallas stars uh hey wow we're pushing 500 live in the chat right now folks welcome for anyone new just make sure you've hit that red subscribe button subscribe to the channel it's completely free and you can also get winnipeg sports talk wherever you get your favorite audio podcast just search winnipeg sports talk and hit that subscribe button you'll get the audio content just after 3 p.m on a uh, weekday basis um Listen, we're going to hear from Dave Poole in, in just a minute, uh, but let's fire up the not uh, why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp. Now, we could ask for your way too early impressions of the Winnipeg Jets through the first game, but let's focus in on player. Who was maybe a pleasant surprise for you? We just talked about three players that I think would all be in the mix for that in Saku Menelainen, Sam Gagne, and David Gustafson. Uh, but did a player stand out for you in a particularly good way, maybe as opposed to your expectations in game number one? The why not question of the day. Hit us up in the comments and drop yours in there at any point. And of course, not Autocorp brings us the why not question of the day. Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. All right. Dave Poulin coming up right away. Do have to give a big shout out and thanks to the fellas over at Consolidated Supply, our newest sponsor. Great to have Joe Spicy, Gino and the gang on board with us, regular WST listeners. And the guys, if you've been involved in the golf business, you certainly know about Consolidated Supply. They are the club car dealer here in Manitoba, working with golf courses around the province. But those golf carts also, you know, they've got some wild ones that are tricked out for people to use for their own personal um, use, as well as running around campsites or industrially, even with four and six seaters as well. If you've got any uh, needs for one of the, uh, you know, a, a vehicle of that sort. Consolidated Supply are is the place to go. And of course, speaking of golf, they've been the uh, irrigation leaders working with turf. If you want to get your lawn, lawn uh, green and lush with irrigation, got all sorts of DIY irrigation solutions, as well as things where you can check on and water at a remote location just by utilizing your phone. And hey, in addition 
to artificial turf. Maybe if you want to get that dream putting green in the backyard or somewhere on the property. I've also got hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens, barbecues, and more. Find out everything that Consolidated Supply has cooking at cte.ca or pop down and see them at 1395 Niagara Road East. You can always give them a call as well at 204-470-3832. Our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, busy, busy right now as we get through Thanksgiving, heading into the holiday season, believe it or not, just around the corner. Uh, But with Back to Schools here, Vita Health is a great spot for school-friendly snacks and lunch items, as well as great immunity products, which are pretty important right now with people getting sick, like vitamin C and D. Uh, Vita Health has the best prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And for those of you on the go, some great, delicious, and fast lunch options like Vita Market salad, soup, sandwiches, all at the Vita Market Grab and Go Deli. Seven Winnipeg locations at Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives, including their newest store in Linden Ridge. And you can check them out online at myvita.ca. Hey, our friends at Wallace and Wallace are. Uh, we're working on something really cool that we'll tell you about in the next week or so. Uh, but in the meantime, before the snow flies, still time to get that garage door kink fixed or potentially get a new one delivered and installed in about four weeks despite some supply chain issues. Of course, Wallace & Wallace works with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world and has 161 different styles of garage doors Certainly good one that's right for your home. And by the way, that home value can go up to 4% with a new garage door. Uh, But they also do service, fixing, and installs. So whatever your need, Wallace & Wallace has got you covered. They are, of course, also the fencing experts for decades here in Winnipeg. You can find out more online, wallacedoors.com, wallacefences.com, or pop down and see them at their showroom over on Lawson Road. All right, Jeff Hamilton's going to join us in a few minutes. We get his thoughts on the Jets' opening win of the season and a look ahead to this road trip. We'll talk Bombers a little later on with Ted Wyman. Right now, though, let's welcome in Dave Poulin, who will be on the the, uh, Jets game tonight looking ahead to uh, game two against Dallas and what Pooley had to think about the way the Jets started the season off on Friday night. What's going on, Pooley? How are you? You're looking forward to the Jets at uh, in the game tonight. It's funny because obviously we lose a, a couple of greats in Dennis Bayak and, and Sarah Leski and, and bring a couple of guys that I've worked with a lot, in Dan Robertson and John Lou. So I was laughing when I was talking to the producer uh, and KP, and I just said, okay, which one of the veterans am I getting to work with tonight, Dan or John, and know them both well. And those are two great additions to your market. And talk about, you know, I, I would affectionately say following those two Winnipeg legends, not replacing them, because those are big words to replace. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I think Remus still has the, the best analogy of it all. I mean, uh, you know, faced with losing Dennis Back and Sarah Orleski, the TSN Jets team pulled a Brad Trelevink this offseason and uh, got a Stan <laughs> Robertson and John Lou, and we're certainly in I really like good it. hands. Hey, uh, Pooley, like before it. we go, last time you were on with us, we talked a lot about the books in the background, but I can't help but notice the beautiful new background, a bit of a sneak peek as to what Jet fans will be seeing tonight. Hey, just uh, working on a new setup here, Andrew, and uh, brought, out, brought out the flex. And, you, you know, you're sort of like, do you bring it all out? Do you not bring it out? Uh, but I have this Selkie up behind me and the King, uh, King Clancy, two awards I'm very proud of. 
And then the Norris trophies um, didn't come my way as a top defenseman, never won the uh, Vesna as goalie of the year. And uh, there's only a handful of things that I was actually had the potential of winning. One was in the heart. I certainly wasn't going to win the Art Ross. And, uh, but I do have uh, three Prince of Wales up there, no Stanley Cups. And then maybe my proudest trophy uh, is up in the top corner, and that's a, a miniature claret jug, which I secured on a boys' trip to Scotland. And um, it's my only golf award, and I'm pretty darn proud of that one. So it's got a little shelf time. Well, it, it, it certainly looks great, and the uh, the entire setup looks great, Dave. Uh, Jets look pretty great kicking, coming right out of the gate. I mean, a hell of a first period. Um, you know, credit to the New York Rangers. Um, and, you know, it was interesting in the second period of the game on Friday night, Scott O'Neill talked about, hey, when you start turning the puck over, you can look pretty slow pretty fast because you're chasing it around. But they got it back together and uh, got a big two points to start it off. Uh, what did you think of the Jets' debut on uh, Friday night heading into tonight's second game of the season? Very strong. And and when you have to sit for a couple of days and watch other teams play, I had to do it a few times. It's lousy, Andrew. Like the league opens up on Tuesday with just a couple games and everybody's playing Wednesday and everybody else is playing Thursday. And you're sitting at home going, wait a second, we want to play. Uh, and, and then you get to play and you're playing a team that has a couple of games under its belt and debuted very well in New York and looked good uh, in their games. And... I thought the way the Jets came out in the first period was a little bigger statement than just their first game. And a lot has gone on this summer with this hockey club and a change in coaches and, you know, and, and some different things have gone on that have challenged the guys. And I thought the response was great. I love the pace. I love the energy. And I, and I like the fact that they were willing to make some changes and, and it's tough sometimes because you get popular players and, and guys that, you know, have, have been in the organization and worked their way up. And yet you have to be willing to make changes and in a couple different manners and someone you've signed in Manalainen and somebody you've drafted in Gustafson, who's someone you've brought in later in Sammy Gagne. And so a little bit reshifting the lineup. And I thought the response was very good. And by the way, the guy in net who our goaltending guru, Jamie McClendon picked to have a huge year, I think is going to have a huge year. He, uh, he was fired up after the game. He was the first star when did one of his patented Connor Hellebrook first star celebrations. And uh, certainly he brought it and, and really he did keep the team in the game when the, the game sort of flipped in that second period. And that's what you need from um, not only we've talked a lot about leaders on this team, Dave, and you don't really talk about the goaltender, but I mean, Connor Hellebuck uh, maybe is the leader. Certainly he'll be leading the way in the terms of the success of the Winnipeg Jets this year. He will. And you know, we're, we have to remember we're talking only a couple of years removed from the Vezina Trophy. And that was behind a newly shaped defense core that year as well. And, you know, I played with some goaltenders that were flat-out leaders. And certainly Ron Hextall in his own way was a leader. But Andy Moog and Reggie Lemelin, the veteran pair in Boston, were tremendous leaders both on and off the ice. I mean, they were involved. And, you know, well, we had a I don't think they officially called them leadership groups back then. They were just a bunch of guys who were taking charge in the locker room. And those two were involved. And I think Connor Hellebeck has earned it in every possible manner to be a leader. And he wants exactly what the rest of the club wants, what the city wants, what the organization wants. And that's to take another step forward. You know, Mark Scheifele was a big topic right from the end of the season, or even in last season when he struggled and didn't look himself at times, Dave. Um, 
maybe a bit of a statement game for Mark uh, in game number one, as well as the top line. Um, what did you think about Shifley? And, and maybe just, I guess, while we're at it, Connor and Ehlers on that line. I mean, how devastating a group can this be? I mean, we've been talking a lot, and there's a lot of excitement that this could be you know, one of the top lines in the National Hockey League if things go well for the Jets. There's no question it should be one of the top lines. You've got one of the big, strong, you know, dominant centermen who's established himself as a top centerman in the game. And Kyle Connor has emerged to a different level. I think Nick Ehlers is the interesting one here, Andrew, because, you know, in, in, I actually wrote an article on the weekend about the three-star players in Toronto. And Willie Nylander is the same age as Nikolai Ehlers. And we looked at both. I was involved in the Toronto management at the time. We looked at both very closely in that draft. And we went back and forth as a group on which one of those two players that were drafted simultaneously we would take. And I think coming into 25, 26 years old is really a key age. And you have your individual accomplishments. You know, you've had some nice team accomplishments in Winnipeg. Basically, you have your stuff, right? You have your your really nice sneakers and you have a nice pair of jeans and probably have a nice car of some sort and been able to help some people out in your life and and you have a nice place to live and now you decide you want more and you want more from your chosen craft your chosen occupation and that's where i see that age group of elite talent taking another step and you might say well Ehlers, you know he's had a really good career and he has is he capable another step i think he is andrew i do and so now he's playing, you know, with, and, and I like, once again, I like the change. It's a little bit different. You're going to the rink and you're seeing something a little bit different when you get there. It's not exactly the same as it has been for the last couple of years. It's a little bit different lineup. And, and I like that. And even the matchup of the top two lines internally, and you'd look and say, okay, well, the, you know, the second line has different components as well. Um, and, I think there should be a healthy level competition between those two lines. And I say that in a very positive manner, but I like the makeup. You know, the, uh, uh, the uh, Ehlers is such a fascinating player. And you mentioned, I mean, he has been, you know, a dominant member of the Winnipeg Jets, but he's never really been on the top line and he's never been on the top power play, Dave. And you add a player like that into two very gifted offensive scorers like Shifley and Connor. And I mean, there should be high expectations for this group and especially that line. There should, because I don't think we've seen the top of Nikolai Ehlers' game. I just don't. And, and, and I'll say that about those three guys. I think they've all got an upside. You, you know, and, and I get pushback on things like that sometimes. You say, well, no, but you, hey, you know, at that age uh, of those three players, they're all you know, mid to later 20s. Um, you've got a lot of runway ahead of you, but you also have a different strength you have a different confidence, you have a different comfort level, even walking into the locker room, and you have a different, just a, a, a different old bearing about yourself as a player and where you stand in the league, who your peers are, what they've done, and what you're capable of. And so I, I think the speed that line brings, the creativity that Ehlers brings to it, the transporting of the puck through the neutral zone should be really fun to watch because sometimes you'll have a transporter and, and I would largely say, you know, Connor and Ehlers are both transporters through the neutral zone as wingers. You know, you look to the centerman to do it from a low position, but those guys are, are high-speed transporters. When you have a high-speed transporter that's got equivalent speed on the other side, 
Yeah, it can create some pretty nice options. Dave Poulin's with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Get ready for the Dallas Stars hosting the Winnipeg Jets in game two of 82 for uh, Winnipeg tonight. Pooley, we will obviously spend a lot of time and probably the majority of our time talking about Shifley and Ehlers and Connor and Hellebuck, uh, but it is a team game. And one of the things that the Jets uh, did not do well last year was, well, spread out ice time and certainly get contributions from that fourth line. And then game number one, an entirely brand new first or fourth line, David Gustafson centering Saku Menelainen and Sam Gagne not only plays a key role, but gets the winning goal in the third period. Um, What can that do for a team and the confidence of players that, you know, to be honest, sort of sort of at the bottom of the depth chart for a team going right into a brand new season with a new head coach? That's where Sam Gagne will come into effect. And, and you know, and Manalainen is not a young guy. He's 20 years old, but um, he's played a lot of pro hockey in Europe. But I would say Sam Gagne would take those two guys and he'd say, okay, here's the opportunity we have, guys. Let's earn it. Let's go out and show the new coach, the new, new coach, because it was Scott Garneal, yeah. exactly what we're capable of. And and the only way, like, that's where the signing of Gagne comes in to focus right at the start because he's able to grab those young guys and say, you know, nobody's going to give us anything, guys. Look ahead of us. Nobody's going to hand us anything. Let's go out and show them we're capable and start by showing we're capable in the defensive zone. If they can think they can play us in any position, we'll get our offensive chances. And then you inject the offensive ability of a Sam Gagne into it. So, you know, you might have a, a fourth line that's made up of very capable defensive players, but if they get an offensive opportunity, they're, they're almost on their heels a little bit. And you do get that at times, particularly with young guys. But that's a group that's capable and when given the opportunity, they can do it. And, and even the entire bottom six, I think Morgan Barron's a really interesting player. And, and I'm going to give enormous kudos. I, I've done this once before, and I think I did it on your show a couple of years ago, actually, when I talked about the anatomy of a trade. And that was the Truba trade. And that brought a first-round draft pick that was Vili Hinola. And also a guy nobody really heard about that much named Neil Pionk. And I said, you have to merge the pro and the amateur scouting groups to say, okay, Pionk's had a limited NHL career, but, you know, he played in college at Minnesota Duluth. Who, who has seen him there? Who has seen him in the minor leagues? And how does he project? I think this trade with Andrew Cobb was very, very similar. Now, that brought the conditional first-round draft pick that turned into Brad Lambert. And it also brought a player nobody really knew very much at all about who had a cup of coffee in the National Hockey League named Morgan Barron. The big, strong kid. He played at Cornell. He played, you know, he'd had a little bit of taste in the NHL. That, to me, is great communication on your scouting staff between the pro and amateur side. That's your director of player personnel drawing everybody together because those guys live in very different worlds. But communicating and saying, okay, what's the book on Morgan Barron from Cornell? What's the book on him maybe back to junior? How did he develop at Cornell? What's he look like? Could he be a component that we lost when our, when our third line was our best, and I say that from Winnipeg's speaking, uh, it, I thought it was it was Cop and Lowry and Mason Appleton. And, and I thought that was a very effective, big, strong line. Well, Morgan Barron could be that big, strong left winger, also pop into the middle from time to time, that complements the third line. So your fourth line brings some different elements. Your third line can match up against anyone physically, but can also have a little bit of an offensive upside. And now your first two lines can just play. 
Well, it's funny you bring up Brad Lambert. Uh, Remus and I went out to the Moose game on uh, the weekend to check out the home opener for the team. And I mean, both he and Chaz Lucius scored their first AHL goals. Lambert was being used in a Nikolai Ehlers role on the power play, using his speed to gain the zone entries. It was... He, he's got a lot of fans here in a very short period of time, Dave, and we'll look forward to seeing what he can do. Um, just quickly before we move on, because I want to ask you about the Detroit Red Wings, who you were uh, doing on the weekend. Um, anything stand out to you about the blue line and I guess just the general structure of the Winnipeg Jets that we've talked so much about that obviously needed to improve this season? So the the Red Wings are going to be interesting. You're watching Stevie Eisman build for the second time around, and it's four years, I believe, now. And I had them against Montreal, and it was a one-nothing game. There were two empty net goals, but it's really exciting one-nothing. And they generated a ton of offense early on Jake Allen, who was terrific, and 25 shots in the first period. And then the game settled in pretty nicely. They're intriguing. Yeah. Stevie Eisenman's added some interesting pieces. The, the veteran in net Billy Huso coming out of St. Louis got the shutout. Um, Ben Sherratt, some former Winnipeg Jets, and uh and Andrew Kopp are both. I think excellent additions to a team that's in transition between moving out players that you didn't see as part of the future, players that could be a part of the future, like Andrew Kopp uh, and Ben Sherratt, but also giving time for their young guys to grow in the minor leagues. They feel they have a good minor league system in Grand Rapids, and, and they're coached actually by a former player of mine, Ben Simon, from Notre Dame. And, and you know, so I watch it pretty closely, but intriguing player there who scored the only goal of the game um and and uh, i'm gonna totally blank on his name um elmer soderblom elmer soderblom and so i had seen this guy play for frolanda in the champions league games i've done over the last couple of years and they listed him at six six he's six eight andrew and he scored the only goal of the game he's 21 years old he was a sixth round draft pick of detroit and when we first saw him play as a 19 year old we were like Oh man, he has pretty good hands for a big guy. And it was like, no, he just has good hands. Like, forget the big guy tag, but the length of him looks ridiculous. Now at center is Michael Rasmussen, who was the ninth overall pick a couple of years back and has been slow to come for them. He's 23 years old. So, and then you've got little Oscar Sunfist at six foot three on the other wing. So this is mammoth line and, and not dissimilar from the way I described Winnipeg's third line and the length and the range and how hard they are to play against. But Soderblom is going to be an interesting player to watch. He is now officially 6'8", and, and his length is just really significant. I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. I think the bottom of the Atlantic, I've now seen Montreal. Um, I've seen Ottawa. I've seen Detroit. Uh, and I've watched Buffalo as well on TV. And so now it's a case where I think those four are going to push up, and there's, no, there's going to be no nights off in the Atlantic division. Yeah, those teams are all really interesting to me. Um, you know, they've uh, all gone through real hard times. They've had exciting additions, and you know, we'll see who can sort of to really challenge to it to move up. Well, speaking of moving up, I did want to ask you specifically about Andrew Kopp, Dave. Um, he got the money. He's uh, back at home in Michigan, and it seems like he's going to get the opportunity to be a real difference maker for this club. But uh, what did you see from him in his new home, and and what's the ceiling do you think for Andrew Kopp in Detroit now as a leader with the Red Wings? His game was exactly as expected. He was out there in the last minute. He got an assist on the on the two nothing goal. Um, very effective in special teams. Probably getting more of an offensive chance now with the strength of of where he can go with this young group. But ideally, if you can keep him as your third line center, 
man, you've got a good third line. You just flat out do. Now he may play, you know, he, he's playing in a second line role right now. Um, they're waiting for some of their young kids to come. They've got a young kid named Marco Casper who's playing back in Sweden. He's um, an Austrian, but he's playing in Sweden with Rogla, and which is the same group that uh, developed, helped develop more Cider. And so you've got some talent, some skill, and Cops playing with the other KG veteran, David Perron, that was picked up from St. Louis. So they've got a nice group there. I think they're going to be intriguing. I, I think they're being incredibly patient. They put their young star goaltender, Sebastian Costa, in the East Coast League in Toledo so he can play. And, you know, I think they're arguably a couple of years away. But if I had one eye cast on how Tampa was built and the other eye cast on Detroit, the similar similarities are there from the general manager. Well, and I'll tell you what, the similarity, speaking of Moritz Sider, I mean, that is Steve Eiserman's headman uh, version 2.0. really good. People didn't see he... enough of him last year. I think people sort of surprised really the call there. I mean, Dave, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in a year or two, um, you know, we're talking about Warwick Sider sort of, you know, barging into the conversation with the Kale McCars of the league as, you know, the top top defenseman in the league because he certainly has the offense, but he's also big. And, I mean, a guy, we'll see him play 27, 20 minutes a night at some point in his career, I bet. I would agree, and it'll be sooner than later. And You know, you'll be plugging in another 6'6 defenseman, the, the one they took two years ago, Simon Edmondson, into that group. Um you know, and maybe Ben Schott's a little bit of a placeholder for an Edmondson type of player, but they're going to let him ferment in the minors. He's down in Grand Rapids right now. Cider, the little details to his game are really good for a young player. And that's the most impressive thing to me with some of these young players. You watch them, they step in, and yes, they're fully confident, and they have every reason to be with their ability, but they're willing to try things and do things. And, and even, I, I think their learning curve, their absorption seems more rapid than than in past generations when they they see things and they understand them clearly it's almost like when you pull out a set of directions and you read them and you understand them the first time through a lot of these kids and we're watching some young stars in the national hockey league appear to be kids that are understanding the directions pretty quickly dave Poolin's with us from uh, the tsn that's hockey panel and of course you'll see dave as part of the broadcast tonight dave just on the way out uh Winnipeg, Dallas this evening. What are you looking for from the Jets? And and maybe what can you tell us about the stars now under Peter DeBoer? That's, I mean, think about the flip of coaches there. And, and Rick Bonus, I believe, is still not available tonight, correct? It'll be Scotty Arneal. And, That's our you know, understanding. But, but there's a lot of information gone into those heads from Rick <laughs> Bonus's knowledge of those players. Um, you know, and, and I think there are questions in Dallas this year, and so much of it always reverts back to the stars. And Jason Robertson, a young star, but but when I talk about the stars, I'm talking about um, Jamie Bennett and Tyler Sagan and how they will accept the new coaching of Peter DeBoer, how they'll adjust. Um, Joe Pavelski simply doesn't go anywhere. And then you look to the to their young goaltender and Jake Ottinger, who's you know signed a a new contract and really emerged during the playoffs last year as a difference maker and a, and a player to be watched. So they'll be a factor And anytime you're playing in that central division, you know, you, so you watch other teams, Andrew, and you're like, okay, look at Minnesota right now. They've given up a boatload early and you just file these things away in your mind. You can't help yourself, right? You're in the division and you know, you've got to beat these teams to get to where you want to go. And you know that the points in the second game of the season are worth every bit as much as the 78th or 79th game. 
Well, looking forward to it tonight, Dave. And of course, looking forward to seeing you as part of the Jets broadcast on TSN. Thanks so much for doing this. And we'll catch up soon. Always appreciate your time. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Great stuff with our guy, Dave Poulin. Looking forward to hearing what Dave has to say about the Jets on tonight's TSN broadcast coming from Dallas in game number two of the regular season. All right. Uh, hey, a big shout out and thanks to our friends over at Not Auto Corp. I believe my guy Trevor Knott was actually out at the Bomber game along with a number of Bomber fans. Great to see them representing out on the West Coast on Saturday night. Of course, Not Auto Corp is the spot to start any search for a vehicle in Winnipeg, whether you're looking to get one or would like to maybe uh, do a little trade-in and upgrade your current one. Um, Not also is the leaders in Tesla sales for years here in Manitoba and have, I believe, like 30 Teslas on the lot right now. And of course, part of the reason is they've got a great Tesla experience program, which includes overnight or weekend long uh, or, or weekend long Tesla experiences to learn everything about electric vehicles and technologies from the Tesla experts. And Teslas do start at $499 bi-weekly with no gas expenses. Um, and of course, the car lab is open right now. They've got detailing, commercial graphics, and winter tire specials as well in the service lab with an MPI payment plan. Why not get safe winter tires now and pay later? Find out more on everything Not Autocorp has going, and why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see in Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. Well... Sam Gagne's in Winnipeg now. Maybe you're looking for an 89 jersey after his game winner in uh, week one. Um, whatever you need, Jets merchandise-wise, Bomber merchandise-wise, or just your favorite teams in the National Football League, NBA, Nash, NHL, Major League Baseball, or Canada soccer gear ahead of the World Cup. Royal Sports is, of course, the fan headquarters for whatever you're looking for. And it's not just for fans, too. Royal is the place for players being the hockey superstore family owned for 40 years here in the city of Winnipeg. Whether you just need to get some skates sharpened or you need to outfit a player from top to bottom, Royal has you covered. Pop down and see him at 750 Pembina Highway. And of course, you can check them out. Give them a follow on Instagram as well, Royal Sports Pembina, for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Um... Looks like we're going to have to do another suit show. Um, thanks to everyone that joined us for that uh, big season kickoff show when we were live from um, Canada Life Center on Friday. The people came through. We had pushed through. We were looking for 300 likes. I think we got well over 400. So the F suits are coming back for a show very soon. If you need to upgrade the wardrobe, you know where to go, gang. Custom suits beginning at just $400 at F Apparel. Remus and I both went and got suits there. The entire process was great. You know, obviously pick out your style, fabrics, colors, and then get measured up. And a few weeks later, have a beautiful new suit from the gang at F Apparel. Right now, they've got a couple deals. Buy one suit, get a second one for 30% off. Great if you've got to do a big upgrade for the wardrobe or you wear a suit on a daily basis. They've also got a deal right now for you folks that are maybe planning a wedding for next year, <clears throat> if you book your wedding party suits and get fitted by the end of November, 10% off and a free shirt for everybody in the wedding party, savings up to $130 bucks, $30 per dude. Uh, check them out, 190 Smith Street downtown. 
pop down and tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you or find out more online or book an appointment at F, that's E-P-H-apparel.com. All right, let's uh, welcome in the Hammer, Jeff Hamilton, to kick off the week. Uh, Hammer, what's up? How was your weekend? Uh, better than your Chiefs. Us. Yeah, yeah, we took I, an L um, yesterday. You know, I, I was on fire this weekend, actually. I went 11-1 and one against the spread. Come on! Uh, yeah, leading into the Knights game. So uh, we can get into that off my Listen, but, that know, is. But, but I'm atop both my pools, my pick em pools and whatever. The only one I got wrong was um, Brady and the boys. Couldn't get it done against. Uh, yeah. yeah. There so, was some ugly. So I, I like you had the Jets uh, in Lambo. Balls and pick. Didn't you know, know what? I'm, I'm betting against. The, you know, it's funny that, that I can't really take a lot of credit for that other than I. I've decided not to bet for Aaron Rodgers all season long. So a spread <laughs> usually has an even playing field. And, you know, people, I don't have sports teams, um, but I read a lot of the New York Times. So the Jets are kind of my adopted team. And so, I don't know, kind of was a perfect storm picking them and uh, I'm betting against Aaron Rodgers. Well, uh, yeah, but Rodgers taking the L, Lamar, uh, Mahomes, Brady. It was, um, I think it was a pretty good week for the books, let's just say, because underdogs were feasting uh but Absolutely. hey speaking of a great week for the weekend for the new york jets the uh, winnipeg jets had a nice kickoff to the season at canada life center on friday night um and just a bizarre set of circumstances heading into the game hammer that you know we got that notice from jets pr a couple hours before the game that you know rick bonus in his return to winnipeg would not be on the bench testing positive for COVID. we were down at the rink in the morning i don't know about you i said to remus afterwards like man bone sounds rough like you could just tell his voice and i didn't know whether that was he'd spent so much time yelling at the players trying to install his new systems or maybe he was sick unfortunately we found out he was but uh arnie took over on the bench and uh you know, an interesting game that had a great first period, a pretty ugly second period, and the team getting it together and the fourth line being the difference makers. Uh, overall, a pretty nice start for the club in uh, game one of 82. Yeah, if it's a where were you at the moment you found out uh, Rick Bonus had COVID situation, I was at home, same with you. I was at the rink earlier in the day, and it's kind of a funny, well, maybe not so funny, but I, I seem to find some humor out of it, is he's a low talker. So Rick's a great interview. He's very honest. He's, you know, he's, he's a lot of things that Paul Maurice wasn't in, in the sense of kind of giving you the truth or giving you the goods for lack of a better term. And, um, but he's low talking. So a lot of the times you sit there in your seat and you, you kind of, or you're, you're taping it on your phone or your recorder. And, and whereas you can hear most of them, it's hard to hear Rick. Anyway, it's a long roundabout way of saying it's the first time I've ever put my phone on the podium was when Rick spoke and we went and picked, picked it up afterwards. And I sat front row, front center as he, as he spoke to us. And then as we got up, I, um, you could hear him. Yeah. He didn't sound great, but as you mentioned, he didn't really sound great in Banff either is, but I'm sure it's, you know, him yelling instruction. Anyways, he delivered this cough and me and Paul Friesen for the Winnipeg sun looked at each other and was like, Ooh, that doesn't sound all that great. And hours later, uh, hours later, he gets diagnosed or he contracts uh, COVID-19. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, unfortunate circumstance for the Jets, um, unfortunate circumstance for him. You know, you know, you know, Rick Bonus was incredibly excited to get that, you know, to start, you know, be on the bench for that home opener in, in Winnipeg. And, and of course, he's going to miss the Monday's game against his former team against the Dallas Stars. I mean, if there were any games that were circled for him, it was those first two games for sure. Um, and as, but as for the game, I mean, I thought it was, you know, like, like you had mentioned, um, 
you know, I think there were some good, certainly some good things. The start was was promising. I heard Dave Poulin talk about it. I, I agree with them. I, I think there was a little bit of a chip on their, you know, the collective shoulders wanting to start out the season. I also, under, you know, they knew that the Rangers played in many than the night before and and had a convincing victory against what's supposed to be a strong defensive, uh, you know, defensive Minnesota Wild team. So I think it was important to get off to a good start. Obviously, there was a shift in the second um, which happens in hockey, right? I mean, there's momentum shifts. That is the the name of the game in in, in hockey, and and we certainly saw that shift to to New York in the second period. But then I thought the response from from the Jets in the third period was everything and more that they needed, and and uh, you know ends up with a ends up with a, a relatively tidy win and a good start to a season. You know, you lose that one, and I think the talk is well, the Rangers came in, have mm. already played three games, including back to back nights. Um, wouldn't have gone too well, I think, with the uh, with the faithful. But uh, so ultimately, good start. You know, we, we've been talking lots about the systems and, and implementing new systems, and um, you know what level of comfort they had with them. And uh, I thought, you know, for the first game, uh, you saw a lot of of that commitment to the defensive side, a lot of defense or a lot of defense chipping into the offensive zone when you know when they could. And so I think that's really the aggressive style we're supposed to expect this year. Um, and you know, I think for fans. Hopefully more wins here coming up. Yeah. Now, listen, before we dive into uh, the performance of the teams, the lines, what we like and what we didn't like, I mean, I, I don't think we can start anywhere else other than 37 in the net. Um, this was vintage Connor Hellebuck. And, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of potential scenarios for the Winnipeg Jets with guys stepping up and nothing happens if Connor Hellebuck isn't Connor Hellebuck. And what a start to the season the Vesna Trophy winner had in net. Well, I didn't know if you were going to say – 37 or 55 because I think both kind of had something to prove uh in game one you know among other players among the entire team uh you know for that matter but yeah certainly Connor Hellebuck was impressive I mean he he saved them throughout that second period uh and did what I think what I think anyone who's followed his career over the last you know few years has expected him to do and maybe wasn't as often or as common last season, although I'll, I'll be one to say, I thought, you know, the issues did not start with Connor Hellebuck Hell last no. season. You Hell know? No. So, um, but, but, but the numbers weren't there, right. And, you know, when the play in front of you is often, you know, breaking down and, and what certainly what we saw last year, uh, those numbers are going to, are, aren't going to be as reflective of, of necessarily his play, but certainly for, for game one, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, Mike McIntyre wrote about it, him and Mark in, in the free press today. And, you know, I think this is a guy who didn't have a ton of fun last year. You know, there were a lot of talk. There was lots of talk, you know, over the offseason as him being, you know, a guy who, you know, certainly isn't asking for trades. But if you if you get the comments from, if you read between the lines and the comments of Mike McIntyre's story today, you know, talking about wanting to compete for the for the Stanley Cup, you know, that's all his drive is, right? And I mean, that's what you want to hear from whether it's your goaltender or anyone else on the roster. And, you know, certainly last season was not a lot of fun. As we all know, it didn't include playoff hockey. And so I think for him, you know, I think this this is a truly is a bit of a, you know, a clean slate, a, an opportunity to get the good vibes back going. And um, when that's happening and, um, you know, when he's making big saves, when he's seeing the puck, I mean, that's what was the biggest takeaway after the game was, yeah, I don't think you I don't think you're drawing up a defensive scheme that involves 41 shots again. So those 41 shots aren't as aren't as daunting when when you're able to see the lanes or they're coming from the perimeter. And I think we saw a lot of that. Obviously, he had to come up big on on a handful of, of great opportunities, whether that be breakaways or, you know, two on ones, three on ones in one case. Um, but, it, you know, I think 
this is what you come to expect from Connor Halbuck, what he comes to expect from himself. Um, and, and I think the defensive structure, it's hilarious, right? Because he'll always be a storyline. He'll, he'll always be a main storyline for his play and how the Jets' success is, you know, is, is ultimately on his back more than any other player. Um, but at the same time, they're trying to implement systems to give him an easier ride. So I don't think he got, got just that in game one. But uh, as this team you know, gets more comfortable with the systems, I think you're going to be able to see him get back to that Vesna-style caliber and not have to be you know, necessarily the hero every single night. Yeah, he was awesome. He uh, soaked it up after the, cra- after the game with the crowd as the first star, got the uh, one of the two jackets in the presentation afterwards and uh, very much deserved it. And, you know, again, we can talk about all sorts of players on this team, but um, the two guys you mentioned, probably the two most important, Connor Hellebuck looked vintage and... Uh, I tell you what, that was a Mark Shifley on Friday night, uh, Jeff, that frankly was exactly what I think we were all hoping to see after, um, you know, an up and down season that, you know, had many, myself included, questioning, um, you know, where, what direction he was headed in because it was going the wrong way last year. We've heard him say all the right things this summer since he came back and sat down with Sarah Orleski. Certainly has seemed to have a good attitude and, and a level of excitement, certainly. And he should be playing with Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor. Um, I thought that line you know, did struggle and they did turn the puck over in the second period. And that was a big part of the amount of time they've spent chasing the puck and in their own end and some of the extra work on Hellebuck, especially in the second frame. But overall, three goals for the line, two big ones for Mark Shifley. Um, hard to maybe overstate how important a good start and a real positive start for Shifley was, and he certainly had that Friday night. Yeah, I mean, just to echo your comments, if you're going to be a successful team in this league, you need to have you know top-end goaltending. Your number one center needs to be playing like a number one center. In this case, I think Mark... Mark is benefiting from the culture change probably more than any other player. I mean, he's hinted at it a, a couple different times in his interviews, saying he's never received coaching like this before. He's never had a coach call him um, and whatnot. And as you hear kind of more from the organization and around the team, clearly there was not him and him and Paul Maurice were not on the same page. We knew, you know, when Dave Lowry took over, there was also a bit of a disconnect clearly with, with how he felt the team should play versus how the head coach <laughs> believed the team should play. But I think with Rick bonus here, it's, it's provided him a little bit of that environment. I, you know, I think you could argue he's always wanted being a, you know, a self-proclaimed hockey nerd. He wants to have guy coaches come in and talk strategy with him, talk game planning. And I just don't think a lot of those conversations were happening, happening, under Maurice and, and, and the previous staff. And if you go one step further, I don't think there was a lot of conversations about, hey, buddy, how are you doing? And I know it's pretty easy to look at a you know an NHL team and go, you know, boo-hoo. I mean, these guys make lots of money. Um, they get, you know, their their lifestyles are are certainly a lot more lavish than than most people that we know and 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 whatnot. But they're at, at the center of it, they're human. And so I think this new coaching staff has has blended you know, the perfect, you know, the perfect mix of studying the game and also, and, and, you know, kind of adhering to the person. And I know that sounds a bit weird, but I don't think that was, that was something that was always, you know, in place. And I think there's guys like Mark Shifley that want to feel involved. They want to feel like their voice is being heard. They want to feel respected. I think, I think that what, that's really what it comes down to. I think that's, you know, whether you're Mark Shifley or any other member of the Winnipeg Jets or anybody in society, I think, you know, you want to be respected by your peers. You want to be respected by your work. 
And I just don't think that message was necessarily going down to his to enough players, again, under the previous regime. But now with Rick Bonus, I think he's created an environment where guys are asking questions. Guys feel a bit more part of it. You touched on this with Dave Coolen. It's going to be a four-line team. It has to be a four-line team if this club plans to play the way Rick Bonus expects them to play, and that being aggressive, hard on the puck, short shifts, right? I mean, he even said for the fourth line, he wants eight to ten minutes of five-on-five time, and that doesn't even account for, you know, guys like Dave. David Gustafson, who, you know, who highlight the penalty kill unit uh, or guys like Sam Gagne, who is going to play on the on the second power play group. So, you know, I know this question was about Mark Shifley, but it really does trickle down all the way to, you know, from the top lines. You heard Kyle Connor talk about that was a big uh, talking point on Saturday was how different the coaching is. Uh, and whether it's more positive and certainly it, it felt like, you know, it's tough to ask about, you know, your previous boss. It's currently tough. To, it's incre- incredibly tough to ask about your current boss. Um, but just what we were able to glean from, from, you know, after, you know, post-practice availabilities on Saturday was this is a great situation for a lot of players. It's a great culture shift from what we had seen in previous years. And while it's only one game, you can certainly hear it in the voices of the players that they're, uh, you know, they're, they're enjoying what they're seeing and what they're doing at this point. Well, and I think it's important. And I'll be honest, I never expected to hear as much, probably a lot of it unintentionally um, from players talking about just how refreshing there are. And maybe there's part of it just trying to really embrace everything that's come on, but it, it it's kind of opened up a little bit more of a window into some of the things that I don't think were working very well for the Winnipeg Jets over the last season. And, um, and again, I don't even know how much to put into the second half of the year when Dave Lowry was in. I mean, that was an impossible situation for Dave. Uh, I think it was awkward for the players and especially Adam Lowry as well. Uh, but coming into this season, I mean, so much of it, I think, goes more to the old guy, Paul Maurice, uh, in how he handled players. He's sort of an old school guy, and I don't think there was a ton of of, of communication there. And I think a lot of it basically went through Blake Wheeler, who is the captain. And, you know, fairly or unfairly, maybe that put Blake in a bit of a situation that made what happened going into training camp that much more important. That being said, I loved Wheeler's game on on uh, on Friday night. Um, you know, listen, he playing with those guys, he might need to pull the trigger a little bit more shooting. Um, but he was tenacious. Dubois was the horse that we've seen before, and Cole Perfetti continues to get more comfortable and more confident. I think on the ice with those players. I know we're going to spend a lot of time focusing in on Ehlers, Shifley, and Kyle Connor for obvious reasons. But this Winnipeg Jets team cannot be successful unless they have a very consistent performance and production from that line. And, uh, you know, from early glances as to how those guys handled themselves, um, I think there's a lot to be uh, to be optimistic about on the PLD line in addition to what Rick Bonus has thrown out with that star-studded top line. Well, it's funny you mentioned Blake Wheeler and, and shooting. I, I think my... my first question when the lines were formed to Rick bonus was, well, who's the, who's the trigger man on that line? Right. I mean, you have three guys in Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cole Perfetti and Blake Wheeler, who all, who all been, been capable of creating space for their teammates, you know, opportunities for teammates and, and all of which like to dish the puck. I mean, that's just because you like the dish doesn't mean you don't like to shoot. It's just more or less getting that instincts on who, you know, who is the, who is the guy that's going to shoot. And he ultimately said, I mean, if you're creating space for players, opportunity is going to come. And whether you're a, you know, a passer or a shooter, if you have an opportunity to shoot, you're going to shoot regardless of what your, of what your, you know, perceived role is or whatever, or what your instincts necessarily tell you. And I think if you look at that line, um, 
you know, I think you can look at all three guys and look at incredible promise for that line and, and all have individual goals. I think this year in the sense of look at Blake Wheeler, I think, you know, him admitting that the, you know, the C at times were a burden. Maybe he's playing a little bit freer. He's kind of calling his own shots right now in the sense that he's not really talking to, you know, he's not really talking to media right now. He's, you know, he's, he's rejected a couple different interviews. I think he's wanting to, you know, focus on himself and his game. And, and if that's what works for him, then I think, you know, the Jets can, can deal with that. And, and, um, you know, I think there's going to be, I think he's got, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder more than anybody else. And and that's going to translate into a good season. I mean, even if you look at last year, Blake dealt with a handful of injuries, but I don't think points were really an issue uh, for him, you know, at least during stretches, he was a bit streaky, but this guy can still play at a, at a, at a fairly high level. Um, you look at Pierre-Luc Dubois and, you know, Rick Bonus said it and he said it, you know, Pierre-Luc himself said it, that he wants to be one of the best, you know, one of the top two way centermen in the, in the NHL, that is a high but, goal. Um, you know, that's not, that's not just being an offensive guru. That's not being defensive. He wants to be dominant in both ends and he wants to be put in a situation and develop to be that player. And so if you're, if, if that's his goal, I mean, that's, that's terrific. He's not coming out and saying, I want to be a 40 goal man. I want to be a, you know, a guy who gets this many points. He wants to be, you know, a two way player. And so you look at Cole Perfetti, and I mean, he just continued to progress year after year. This really is his big opportunity after getting the taste of the NHL last year and then suffering a couple different injuries that, you know, bled into his ultimately bled into his summer and his rehab heading into this year. And, and what we've seen from Cole over camp is just, you know, his IQ on full display. Other things are going to come. He's going to have to get bigger. You know, he's going to have to put on weight eventually over time, but he's got, he's got the skill set and the instincts to, to, to be a top end player, to create space for his teammates, to do all those things that you expect, you know, players in the top six to do. And so if they can all get on the same page, as we've seen over time, some have played together with each other. So it's not like Pierre-Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler don't know each other or, or Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cole Perfetti at times for that matter, you know, played a bit last season. So I think there is a real opportunity for that line to blossom. And, and just to wrap it up, as you said, Huss, they need that line to be going because if, you, if you're going to have a third line and Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton and Morgan Barron playing against the other team's top lines, what it's going to ultimately result in is, is that second line on the Jets playing against, you know, quote-unquote lesser competition, um, setting them up opportunities to score points. So they certainly can't be a – you know, they certainly have to be a complementary group. And um, if you look at this team and, and playing defense first, I think everything, you know, you, you see from those three players fits into the mold. Yeah, and just, just one more thing on Wheeler. And again, this is early, and you mentioned he hasn't – talked a lot with the media and even when he did the interview with Sean last week which uh, I think most of us saw he was still pretty guarded um, as he has been in the past and I think this is probably still tough for him to talk about but on the ice whether it be with the teammates whether it be he got a great ovation shout out to the fans that uh, I think gave him a very deserved big round of applause um, he seems to be handling this very very well and I'll be honest, I made a point of kind of focusing on him quite a bit in the game on Friday and you know, as well just in practices. I've seen more smiles from Blake Wheeler than maybe all of last season so far. And listen, I know it's really early and we've talked about it. This could go in a number of different ways. But, um, you know, with a little bit of success on the ice for the team and that line, I think that this can be put in the rearview mirror very, very quickly. And like we said before, how Wheeler handles this um, is going to be a very important thing for this Winnipeg Jets team. But I think that if he handles it in the best case scenario, 
it could be maybe the greatest show of leadership that I think really can resonate with a lot of, you know, teammates, even if maybe they weren't all on the same page at the end of last year. Yeah. And we talked about that last time I was on and I asked Rick bonus that exact question. I mean, this could be this, you know, I do think this is, this will be Blake Weir's greatest show of leadership without wearing the C that's not an easy thing to do. You know what, you know, the, the whole situation, I think I agree with you. I think he's handling it. Well, I think he's handling it the way he feels he needs to handle it to be successful and, and, and to, you know, as individually and as a team, I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the, you know, the burden of, of being a captain, it goes beyond just having to show up and, you know, play taught, you know, play hard every single night. You have to deal with a lot of the drama that goes along with the team. You have to, you have to be available in a lot of different ways. And if you hear Adam Lowry talk about, you know, what, what, what how he views the responsibility as, as the new addition to the leadership group. And you can argue Adam Lowry has been a key part of this leadership group for years, regardless of not having a letter on his chest. But when you hear him talk about it, it's about, you know, it's about just being, again, available, being available to your teammates, being available to guys who are making the jump from the moose and, you know, getting their opportunities with the Jets. You know, they want to have, you know, you sending him a text message, making him feel comfortable because that's ultimately, I think, what was was lost these last couple of years is, is, is a level of, of comfortability within the room. I mean, there's no one, no one saying these guys hate each other, that they're not friends, that they don't like each other. I mean, we can point to weddings in the offseason, how many guys go to each other's wedding. That's fine, but... A hockey room or a pro dressing room can be a contentious place, especially when you're not winning games. And when and when that and, and when the environment becomes contentious, it then it's then up to your leadership group to kind of help wade those waters, help figure out what's the best path out of them, and to keep guys up and going. And I think Blake Wheeler is is an ultimate. You know, he, I think he's a guy who he's, he wants to win. That's his number one thing is he, you know, that's what his biggest focus is. He's got a bit of an old school approach to him in the sense he's been in this league for a long time. He's seen a lot. He knows a lot. But I think in this opportunity for him to just kind of sit back, focus on himself, not have to worry with, you know, the outside noise inside the locker room and just focus on him, his game will bear well for for his production. And ultimately, if his production is there, it's going to benefit the Winnipeg Jets as a whole. You know, I don't know if I mentioned this to you last week. I think I did with a couple of the other guys. But um, that line, when you talk about storylines around players in the National Hockey League, that might be the most interesting line in the league going into this season. I mean, Wheeler losing the captaincy and everything that's gone on around him and the team into training camp. <laughs> And of course, Dubois' situation is anything but clear going forward with two years left of team control. And then a really talented young player being relied on for top six minutes and top six production in Cole Perfetti. Um, a ton of question marks as to how things will go, but no doubt that there is the talent on that line. And to me, it really does start with Dubois. Um, he looked like the horse that he was at times last season that was such an impactful player for the Winnipeg Jets. And as I say, there's a lot for those guys to play for, um, you know, individually, but also for uh, for the team going forward. Now, we'll probably spend most of the time talking top six, but, you know, the fourth line got into it. And, man, I mean, what a way to start the season, to have a new-look fourth line, none of which, with the exception of David Gustafson for a few shifts, played with the team last year. Sam Gagne getting the goal, the winner, all of those guys involved. And I thought Gagne on the power play was dangerous. And the Metaline and Gustafson combination on the PK was impactful as well. It's obvious, you know, you know the big guys who are going to be carrying the team uh, are. 
But when you think about how little the Winnipeg Jets got in the past from that fourth line last season and before, um, could not have started much better for the depth side of the Winnipeg Jets that I think everyone agreed, uh, everyone agreed needed to be better this season. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the fourth line has been completely ignored for years. There's no doubt about that. And talk about something to prove. Every single one of those guys on that line, as you mentioned, have something to prove, whether it's David Gustafson and and really not having an opportunity at the NHL level and wanting to carve out a first full season after, you know, some injury issues last year and a majority of the season spent on the farm. You have Sam Gagne, who, you know, it's not a secret that he's playing year to year to year. And I don't, you know, when he signed here, I don't know, if he knew exactly what he was signing up for in the sense of, you know, what kind of leadership role he was going to play. But we've seen that. I mean, we've, it's, and it's, and I'm not talking about necessarily a Matt Hendricks situation where he's, you know, putting out fires, but just his calm demeanor as an NHL veteran and a guy who's been through it and seen it all has, has rubbed off on younger guys and older guys. You know, when, you know, we talk about those tense moments at times in a season, I mean, a guy like Sam Gagne who keeps it, you know, a hundred, if you will, and I'm not talking about Nate Schmidt hundred. I mean, consistent in who he is, uh, you know, can be can, can certainly be a positive effect on a dressing room. And you know, you look at Metalinen as you mentioned, and this guy, I mean, he said it prior to the season. This was his last shot at making the NHL. And when you have that kind of motivation, you know, it can go a long way. And so you have three guys that are just really buying into it. And when you can add on the fact that they're all playing a role. You know, you look at Metalinen, you look at Gustafson, both those guys will be penalty killers. You look at Sam Gagne, he'll be on the second unit power play. They all feel like they're doing something. And then to get rewarded with a, a shift late in the game, which we would have probably never seen, you know, before before Bonus showed up. Uh, in this case, Scott Arneal was running the bench. You know, for them to then reward that reward, is only gonna, you know, is only gonna add to the responsibility and 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 the trust in which that line is having. And so when you look at, if you look at the forward lines in particular, they all, you know, whether it's the top six, whether it's the third line, you know, gonna be a big factor here with with, uh, you know, against other other teams' top lines, particular particularly at home when you get the last change. And then you look at the fourth line, who can be relied on not just to not get scored on, but to come up big and you know a big moment of of, of game one. That's just good feelings going into the season, and that and and that all plays into momentum and and going on a run and going on a roll. Um, who knows what's going to happen from here on out? Heck, the Jets could show up tonight and get blown out by the Stars, and there's a bit of a of a different talking line. Um, but at the at the end of the day, you look at at that first original test of of an 82 game you know season, and it's a pretty big positive one for all four of those lines on forward. No doubt about it. Hammer, great stuff. Um, you're going to be on Jets, but I guess Bombers uh, slow week because of course they're going to be on the bye. So uh, be able to talk a little more hockey with you over the next few days before we get ready for uh, the final end of the season. Then of course the day we're all counting down to November 13th for the West Final. Yeah, uh, no, actually, I got uh, the next few days off, and then I'm heading down south. I'm heading to a place for a special project that I'll be working on. Parts unknown. Let's just say it's down south working on a project uh, that has to do with the bombers and a profile that I think uh, a lot of fans might enjoy in the next in the coming weeks here. So Look at I'm uh, taking off. No hockey for me, but hockey next week. I'm going to be on that trip, uh, that three gamer through. Uh, you know, through um, L.A., Arizona, and Vegas, with uh, actually going to be partnering with your next guest here in Teddy Wyman. So, uh, oh yes, we'll be, be are you kidding? Jets are we getting week. the hockey version of Jeff and Ted's excellent adventures? 
hopefully subscribe that's, uh, on instagram work, immediately or, you know safe for work stuff but yeah i get on those maybe maybe we'll have a bit of a of an adventure but uh we'll see those are three pretty uh pretty good spots to to do do such a thing well i will look forward to hacking up with you at some point next week from the road and uh, we'll make that happen thanks for doing this man great chat i'm looking forward to the game tonight be well Always a pleasure, and shout out to the uh, to the or the, to the uh, viewers as always. Thanks, thanks us at Jeff K Hamilton on Twitter, and make sure you're reading all of Jeff's work in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. All right, yes, Jeff's running mate on the road. One Ted Wyman coming up in just a second. Uh, before we do that, speaking of the Bombers, no Bomber game this week. They're back at it next week, one final time for the regular season against the BC Lions, and then the West Final on the 13th of November. Before the game, the place to be is the Princess Auto Tailgate Party. Uh, get there early, enjoy $5 beers, $3.50 pop and hot dogs, DJ finesse spinning, and then roll in to see the best team in the Canadian Football League do what they do. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and your boys here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And of course, now getting into this season that we've all been wanting to wait a little while longer. Um, you know, it's important to stay healthy, important to be hydrated. And uh, the Culligan folks have been the water experts in Winnipeg family owned for over 65 years. Whatever your water needs, Culligan has you covered with water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whatever your water needs are for your home, cottage, or business, Culligan's there for you. Pop down and see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give the Culligan man a call at 694-5180 or find out more on Culligan's products and services online at drinkculligan.com. Well, a great weekend was had for everything with the exception of my football picks. Uh, and I did have a couple CC and gingers on the weekend. And no, not the cocktail. The ready to drink in cans, uh, which you can pick up at your local beer store when you're grabbing a rack. Canadian Club, Ginger Ale, an all-time classic cocktail now available in cans at your local beer store or Manitoba Liquor Marts, along with all the incredible Canadian Club products is Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey and the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Canadian Club available throughout IG Field as well at all IG Field events. And hey, we got Monday Night Football tonight. Oh, the Broncos in primetime again. Great. Um, they are going up against the Chargers. Pretty exciting football team. Big AFC West matchup. And uh, we'll get to the cool bet lines a little bit later on. But if you're thinking about a great spot to watch Monday Night Football and the Jets game tonight, look no further than your local Boston pizza. And while you're there, you can enjoy pizza flights, bought a draft on special for five bucks, and you'll be able to enter to win a trip for two to Vegas to see the Raiders and a bonus National Hockey League game. First trip's November 11th to 13th. Second trip is um, New Year's Eve weekend. <clears throat> Pop down, watch the NFL, and enter to win at any Winnipeg, Morden, Selkirk, Steinbach, Portage, Boston pizza location. 
All right, we've talked a lot of Jets right now, but let's get the latest on the Bombers going into another bye, and we welcome in our guy, Ted Wyman, from the Winnipeg Sun. Teddy, what's up? How are you? Doing very well, Huss. I just have to say, though, putting me on right after the hammer. Remo, come on, man. It's a tough one to follow. Hey, it's a great one-two punch. You guys are uh, you guys are uh, basically the uh, like a, a tag team, especially when we're looking forward to what you guys will be doing on the road. But... <clears throat> I figured we'd be talking Jets with uh, with Jeff. Let's get into a bit of the Bombers with you. Uh, a little weird. Three bye weeks. Yeah. Three losses on the season. The first two were a little different. This one, I'll say this. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to end up as a loss in the uh, uh, in the standings. Uh, but overall, I think there was a lot to be gained from this win. Now, you know, we'll get to the, your performance, your thoughts on uh, Drew Brown's performance overall as starting quarterback for the Blue Bombers. But uh, this was a game that I think there was the potential maybe for it just to be a complete write-off. I think it was far from that from a Bomber perspective, despite the loss. Oh, absolutely, Huss. I mean, honestly, I wrote about it in today's uh, Blue Review, which is something I do after every game. And, and in all honesty, I think the Bombers should have won that football game. I think by the way they played overall, by the way the teams were matched up in that game, they should have won. For some reason, they could not make a tackle on special teams, which really cost them heavily. Um, they, uh, you know, there was those two picks by Drew Brown that cost them everything, and then three missed field goals by Mark Leggio. I mean, you just think about the fact that if Winnipeg plays a little with a few less mistakes. And if Mark Leggio, and, and, and honestly, they could have made all those mistakes and Mark Leggio makes those three field goals and they still would have won the game. I mean, in all honesty, that showed a lot to me about how they can compete with a team like BC that's fully motivated, that's going for a home playoff game, that had everything to play for. They had nothing to play for and they really battled. And I'll tell you right now, man, I swear, I've been to almost every single game this year I don't think I've seen Mike, Mike O'Shea more angry about a loss after a game than this one. He was salty. And Drew Brown was crushed. And a lot of the guys were walking around with sour looks on their faces. They were not happy about losing that game. No, no matter who was sitting out, they thought they were going to win. Well, there's a lot of winners in that room. And I think it speaks to the culture that they've built, that even when they give a number of starters the night off to save and preserve them for the playoffs – that the expectations are still really high, and that's a great thing for where this organization is right now. You mentioned the special teams. I mean, there was the good and the bad in that game. Like, I, did I read that correctly? It was the most return yards ever in a game before. Janarian yeah, Grant went off, and I mean, BC kept going for 50, 60 plus every time they got the ball. I mean, that was a huge concern, and that, I'm sure, if you want to get down to it with Mike O'Shea, is probably where some of his frustration began on special teams. Uh, we'll get to, you can maybe get your thoughts on Mark Leggio, and does that sort of dent the confidence of the club of Leggio post-trade deadline going into the playoffs? But the return game, I mean, you simply cannot give up massive returns over and over and over again and expect to win a football game, and yet there were the Bombers late in the fourth quarter right in the middle of it. It was 341 yards for Terry Williams. Darian Grant had 255 and a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, it was really something. Hey, I loved it because the Canadian game has it, right? You don't see it in the NFL except for when Dallas was down 20 to nothing last night and they let Turpin actually try a couple of returns. Usually, they'd rather not, right? Because there's just too much risk involved in it. 
And that, I think that's the one thing that the CFL absolutely has over the NFL that nobody can take away is a very exciting return game. And boy, did Terry Williams ever have it going. And one, one stat that really stood out for me is that Mark Leggio tied for the team lead in special teams tackles in that game. When your kicker is tied for the team lead in special teams tackles, things are not going well. So, um, you know, good on him, though. The guy played rugby and uh, maybe a little bit of linebacker sometime in his career because he really knows how to make a tackle, and he did a great job of probably preventing two touchdowns by Terry Williams, and he did that once before this season against Mario Alford of the uh, Saskatchewan Rep Riders. So kudos to him for that, but the missed kicks, not good. And honestly, I don't understand what it is about BC Place, but I've covered many games there. And I have seen so many times when kickers absolutely thought they had the leg and they came up short. And I'm not sure why. It used to happen to Justin Medlock. He talked about it. He used to question what was going on with the airflow in that place for why those balls would fall short. But believe me, this is not the first time I've seen that happen. We know Mark Leggio has the leg for that. I'm pretty sure that Mike O'Shea's not trotting him out there unless he had the leg for that in, the, uh, in, in practice before the game. And we know he's kicked a 55-yarder this year. So it was weird, but, you know, I, I, don't, I can't explain it. But then he misses one from 46, and so three misses. One of them was really costly because Williams brought it all the way back to the Winnipeg 20. Um, 30, you know, a 25% success rate is not what you want to see from your kicker when you're heading into the playoffs. That's definitely a question mark for Winnipeg. And if you're a Bombers fan, observer, even somebody in the organization, you have to just hope that it's not going to come down to a situation where your kicker needs to win it for you because, I mean, he might, but I don't know what the percentage chances are of him coming through in those moments. Well, you're exactly right, and it is bizarre, Ted, that it's happening in the one place where you've got controlled conditions and you would assume that it would be maybe the easiest place in the Canadian football league to should consistently be, kick through. No, exactly, it's not, and it certainly wasn't for Legio on the weekend. Um, so there was some things that the Bombers will work on extensively once they get back to practice, and I'm sure the special teams video will be a little ugly when Mike O'Shea brings the guys in to go through it. That being said, on the offensive side of the football, there were the big pick the picks that went back the other way, and you mentioned that was the difference. And, you know, it's about winning and losing, so you can't ignore that. But I'll tell you what, Drew Brown was chucking it and I thought Rashid Bailey stepped up huge in that game. And I don't know what more we can ta- say about Dalton Schoen. I mean, this is truly one of the most legendary rookie seasons that we've ever seen in the Canadian Football League. And never mind rookie seasons. I mean, if it wasn't for Zach Caleros being the guy and leading the team to the record that he was has so far this season, I think you could have an argument that Dalton Schoen might be in the mix for the most outstanding player in the league too, Ted. I absolutely agree. I, I think his numbers are very worthy of it. And, uh, um, you know, I've talked about this extensively with Jeff Hamilton and various other of my colleagues. And the thing that's one of the things that really stands out is that he's got more touchdowns than Brandon Banks had when Brandon Banks did win MLP. And he's got a similar amount of yards uh, as Brandon Banks had when he won MLP. Now, that was the kind of year where there just wasn't really a, another candidate that really, you know, went hard against uh, Brandon Banks, but um, especially in the East and then in the West, he went against Cody Fajardo and it ended up being a, a vote for Banks. But in all honesty, like I, I think Schoen has been remarkably valuable. And the one thing that we're not even talking about is that he has caught over 40 
catches on second down, they all went for either first downs or touchdowns. Now, only 10 players, only 11 players in the history of the CFL have ever done that, and he's one of them. And, I mean, if he were to get a couple more here and there, he could potentially, in that last game, if he were to get three or four, I, I can't remember the exact number that he had in the game now, um, but three or four, he's three or four away from the CFL record, which is held by Ben Cahoon, an all-time great from the Montreal Alouettes. Now, they only started keeping this stat in 2004, but it's an 18-year record, and that's something that would be really impressive. I, I personally think if you're going to the guy in those clutch moments on second down all the time, it's pretty obvious that he's a very valuable player. Also, everything he catches is well down the field. I mean, he's not the, – the reason he's always getting second down conversions is everything is more than 10 yards that they throw to him. He and, and Michael Shea both played it down. He said, you're, you know, you're going to catch a lot of balls on second down because it seems like we're always on second down in the CFL, and we run on first down a lot. No, that is fair. And Michael Shea said something very similar to that, playing it down a bit, but the fact is – only 11 players have ever done it in the history of the game or in the history since they started keeping these records. So you have to give it some credence. And I think Dalton Schoen has been incredible. I can't quite for the life of me understand why the Bombers didn't target him once in the first half in this last game. But, you know, Drew Brown admitted that he wasn't really feeling that comfortable, uh, was certainly, you know, not, uh, not on top of his game. And maybe they're just, he just didn't have time to go to his primary reads, but then, they do start going to Sean in the second half, and he gets 82 yards. And, I mean, he could have had another 40. They were both passes by Drew Brown that just weren't on the mark just in the la last part of the game. And if he gets those 40, he's already the all-time rookie receiving yard leader for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He needs 16 to beat T Perry Tuttle next week, and I have no doubt that he'll do it. Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. By the way, if you haven't already, welcome to all the new listeners and viewers Make sure you hit that red subscribe button. Join us daily, one central Monday to Friday, and uh, subscribe wherever you get your favorite audio podcast for the podcast to be uploaded shortly after we finish the live broadcast. So bye week now, then a game against the British Columbia Lions, which could potentially mean nothing for either team. Um, how do you think Mike O'Shea handles that last game of the season when it comes to players? Who's going to be in the lineup? How much do they play? considering you're going bye week game, another bye week, and then the game for all the marbles on the 13th at home. Man, it's it's wild, really, what their schedule has been like the whole second half because they didn't have any buys in the first half of the season. They played 10 straight games, and now they've got they've, they've had uh, in, in the last uh, 11 weeks of the season, they had three bye weeks, and then they're going to have another one before they play the West Final. You couldn't ask for anything better. And yet there will be that concern that there could be some rust on the team if they're off for such a long time um, between, you know, with the, with the one week off after the uh, last week of the season. Um, but, you know, and, and honestly, with nothing to play for here, Calero sits out. I'm pretty sure Zach Caleros plays at least part of that game in, uh, in Winnipeg against the BC Lions. There's a really good chance that game won't mean anything because BC is going to Edmonton where visitors win all the time, it seems. And um, that, you know, so that's, that seems pretty likely. There is a small chance, uh, maybe, maybe a good chance if you listen to Rick Campbell, that Nathan Rourke is going to play in that game against Winnipeg on the 28th and get his chance to, you know, show what he can do before the playoffs uh, coming back from his uh, Liz Frank injury. And if that does happen, that'll make that game interesting to me, no matter what, especially if the Bombers played their regulars for at least half the game. I'd be surprised if they didn't. 
And then they just go through their routines. They're going to do some work this week, Mike O'Shea said. It's like, this is not a bye week in the true sense of the word. They don't have a game. But it sounds like he wants his players working and being ready because he just didn't like the way things went in that last game. And I think he's going to make sure that they're good and ready to have a good performance on October 28th. Obviously, he doesn't want anybody to get hurt, but he wants to have a pretty good lineup, uh, get some testing, you know, a little test in, and then get more rest and be totally ready to go in that West Final. Because that's going to be a tough opponent in the West Final. I'll tell you, if it's Calgary or BC, both of those teams are very capable of beating the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who are a very, very good team. They'll probably, they will have the edge. I, I think they still have a great chance of winning and getting to the Grey Cup, but it's not going to be remotely easy. Yeah, no, there's no, uh, there's no buys right through the final. And uh, the West final, in many people's opinions, probably might technically be the Grey Cup because whoever wins that game will likely be a pretty significant favorite in the big game in Regina a week later. Um, what's the deal with Greg Ellingson? A bunch of people are asking in chat. I mean, do we have any yeah. clarity? Do we think that we'll see him before? Or bottom line, is he going to be in the lineup on the 13th of November? Well, I think he's going to be in the lineup on the 28th because Michael Shea specifically came out and said when he was asked that he thought he'd be back before the end of the regular season. That gives us no choice but to think that yeah. he'll be there on October 28th. And so, yes, I do think so. Uh, that'd be a real nice addition, you know, I like the way Greg McRae runs the football, um, but you're not, you just, they don't have that true receiver in that slot back position. And they've got other guys that can run the football like Dembski and Bailey as it is. And even Janarian Grant came in and did it this past week. So I'm not too concerned. Uh, you know, I, I don't have anything against Greg McRae, but I think if you can get Greg Ellingson in there, that will really up the, uh, you know, the opportunities for, Zach Claris to throw the football. He's been really extensively targeting Dalton Schoen and Nick Dembski uh, for the most part in the w recent weeks of the season. And then Drew Brown really went big on uh, Rashid Bailey, which was good to see because it's like, you know, I think Rashid was really uh, not the happiest camper earlier in the season because he just wasn't getting the results. I do think he was still working hard. I still think he was a big part of what was going on, but he didn't love that the ball wasn't coming his way that much. He didn't love that he wasn't getting the results and and you knew it because after he had his first really good game i think that was in week 13 he came and stood on the podium and he said i've been waiting to talk to you guys all year <laughs> most guys don't talk like that but he was he recognizes that if you've had a good game the media wants to talk to you so he appreciated that that was happening and boy he looked great in this last game a lot of it was you know when the bombers were trailing um people will point that out that you know you might call it garbage time it really wasn't because i think they still had a chance in that game every time he scored but um you know i i, I do like uh, uh the possibility if you've got greg ellingson in there i think jackson jeffcoat's going to be a possibility to come back on a defensive end i don't really know who else these injuries are they're so secretive about them it's really hard to tell how long guys might be out but i think they'd love to see a more optimal looking defensive uh, secondary as well they should be back to pretty much normal at linebacker. The defensive ends, if they can get Jeff Coat back, that's going to be their optimal. And if you can get Ellingson back, I don't know about Walatarski at all, but I don't think there's been an issue with Brendan O'Leary-Orange. So um, getting that optimal, line, optimal lineup would be great. And I do think that I should just say, I think Drew Brown showed enough this last game, other than two really bad mistakes. One was a terrible throw. One was a hurried throw that he should never have done. Other than those two, he slung the ball pretty well. And I think people who watch that game would, would take from that that 
if there were something terrible to happen, uh, you know, even a small injury to Zach Calero, something that affected him, Drew Brown could step in and run this offense. I think that was a, a pretty good takeaway from that game. Well, for sure. And I mean, I think Drew Brown, um, you know, at the beginning of the season when he went in, I believe against Ottawa and led the team yeah. to a win, had a great start to the year and an opportunity that probably doesn't come around very often and um, did quite well. That being said, Let's hope it's number eight behind center for the rest of the way for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The straw that stirs the drink, indeed. You know it. Hey, before we go, uh, as far as the rest of the league goes, I mean, the Hamilton win in Calgary was massive on a couple of fronts. Um, first of all, great news for the BC Lions with their win. They just need to basically beat Edmonton this week, and they'll have clinched a home game in that West semifinal. Uh, but Hamilton did themselves a big favor getting to six and 10. How screwed are the Saskatchewan Rough Riders right now? <laughs> well, they're right where they deserve, to be honest. They haven't, they've, they've been terrible uh, for quite some time. A couple of months, they've had inner turmoil. They've had mistakes made by the general manager, in my opinion, in terms of, um, you know, shoring up that offensive line. They've had mistakes made by Craig Dickinson at coach, they've had player issues. Everything's kind of gone wrong for them. And I just, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it, to me, it would be just kind of ridiculous if they did somehow get into the playoffs because they just don't really deserve it at this point. But that being said, this is the way it works. They have a chance to cross over. The Hamilton Tiger Cats are having something to say about that. And I'll tell you, they beat Winnipeg, they beat Saskatchewan, and they beat Calgary. So you can't say they're pretenders. They're a team that started slowly, but they've got Orlando Steinauer, who does a great job. He's starting to put it together with this group. And I don't think there's very many observers at the CFL who think it would be all that unlikely that Hamilton comes out of the East once again, because the way that they are playing, can they go into Montreal and win? Absolutely. Can they go into Toronto and win? Absolutely. I mean, those teams are good, but not great. So it would be really interesting to see how Hamilton does if they pull this out and get into the playoffs. They still have to make sure they get there. Ted, great stuff as always. Uh, you have a good one and uh, get ready for that trip out with the hammer. I'm sure you guys will be able to occupy yourselves at some point in uh, some sunnier climates on the road with the hockey team. Always a pleasure. The weather in Vancouver was fantastic. Looking forward to even more good stuff down in California. Enjoy the hockey game tonight, Ted. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks, Hass. Have a great day. Good stuff. There's our guy, Ted Wyman, with the Winnipeg Sun. Make sure you're following Ted on Twitter and check out all of his work covering the Bombers and the Jets over at the Winnipeg Sun and winnipegsun.com. All right, we're going to get Remus back in here and uh, get ready for tonight's game. Check the lines. Before we do that, a big thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know them well, been with us since day one. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, including the DQ in Niverville, in the home of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League's newest team, the Niverville Nighthawks. And I know Nick and the gang there are very involved with that new club. Great addition to the league. Um, the three Winnipeg locations are DQ Northgate with the drive through DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. DQ also available on your favorite um, delivery apps. Uh, but right now, pop in, still grab those great delicious blizzards, amazing stack burgers, chicken fingers, fries, ice cream novelties and hey if you're needing a dq ice cream cake for a gathering or party coming up hit them up on instagram at dq manitoba they'll get that sucker custom made for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four nick and nikki dqs and uh hey it was a great weekend we got monday night football coming up 
What goes better with football than a few cold beers? And there's no better beer in this city than our favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. The flagship 1919, just one of the amazing beers that Little Brown Jug has for you. Your best bet is to pop down and try them out for yourself at the brewery and tap room on William Avenue. You can try them all in pints, flights, and then get your favorites for uh to go in cans of course and um you might want to, if you're popping by the your local beer store as well take a look at that good times variety pack for your uh four different little brown jug beers for you and your friends to enjoy little brown jug william avenue and they also do citywide delivery online you can order there at littlebrownjug.ca all right let's get remus back in here we got to get to the cool bet lines and Get ready for tonight's game. Uh, that was some great stuff with Pooley, Hammer, and Ted. Yeah, I love the Monday shows. There's so much to get to uh, with the Jets and the Bombers. Uh, I mean, they lost, but was it a really a, it doesn't matter? I'm not so sure. Um, and then, yeah, we're looking forward to the game tonight as well. We didn't even really mention the lineup because it's the exact same. No changes. Hey, they won. Keep it rolling forward. We'll have to wait and see when uh, Axel Janssen Fialbi gets in. Uh, uh, never mind Axel. I thought it might be Dylan Samberg yeah, that um, too. getting in. And again, there was enough positives out there not to, you know, get all into the the Stanley comp, uh, conversation. But, um, you know, listen, he did a few good things. He had a big, big hit in the first period, which I certainly know that that's what the team's looking for him to do. Uh, but then... I mean, when it comes, when you're a defenseman in the National Hockey League, you need to be able to, to to play defense and use your body to your advantage. And it seemed like a bit of a disadvantage there when he was kind of down, kind of not down and spinning around as Hunt scored the goal against the New York Rangers. But good news for 64. He'll get another chance to get into the lineup tonight. And then uh, I would think for sure, though, over the course of these next couple of games, we will see Dylan Sandberg at some point, as it did seem the plan was early on in the season to get those guys both in there and see if maybe one of them really goes and grabs the job. Uh, all right, let's get to the cool bet lines tonight. Um, so we'll start off with the Monday nighter. By the way, I uh, just did the lock shop earlier today with Dusty. We got a couple sweet ones in the cool bet exclusives today. Uh, we did a special lock shop partner parlay, myself, Pat, and Dusty. I'm in on Austin Eckler over 65 receiving yards. Dusty's on Mike Williams to have the most receiving yards tonight. And Patty is saying Russell Wilson will throw a pick. Uh, that one's paying plus 770 if you want to jump on a special MNF partner parlay. And then for my daily pick for Cool Bet. I got them to, uh, I, I love that pick a couple of weeks ago where they combined the Debo Samuel and Cooper Cup uh, receiving and rushing yards. Well, I wanted to get an Austin Eckler over 99 and a half bet on combined rushing and receiving yards for tonight. Uh, his totals, if you add them both up, are right around 98 and a half. So let's get to three digits. Let's get to 100 for Austin Eckler, minus 111 for over 99 and a half. That's also there in the Cool Bet exclusives. As far as the game goes tonight, the line pretty steady at four and a half for the Chargers. So LA laying four and a half at home. And the total for this game is at 45 and a half. We actually got it at 46 and a half in the lock shop and are taking the under. Denver plus 190 money line underdog and the Chargers minus 208. Over to the National Hockey League. And uh, 
This is a busy night in the league tonight, Remo. I didn't realize. Oh, is that why you did the DraftKings contest for tonight? Nice work. Well, I usually do DraftKings um, on, if you want to play with us, you send us a message, we'll get you in. But I usually do them for Jets game nights. But yeah, a lot of games. Their schedule was odd, Hus. The NHL must know that there was the Chiefs-Bills going on yesterday and other, obviously, a full day of NFL. And they did not schedule any games. The NHL's um, scheduling is so weird. Like, Tuesday, Thursday, there's a lot of games. And then other days, there's, like, no games. I don't well, I don't know I'll why. Well, I'll say this, yeah. and I'm sure, I mean, I don't speak for everyone because I know there's a lot of people that are really into hockey that don't pay m too much attention to the National mm -hmm. Football League, so maybe you're missing an opportunity there. But when you got Chiefs Bills in the afternoon, followed by Cowboys Eagles on Sunday night football, um, might be better to just stay away from that day on the calendar. Although I, like you, was a little surprised that there was it's zero games in the National Hockey League yesterday. But guess what? It just gives us more to watch and uh, maybe sprinkle on tonight. Mm -hmm. The uh, game we're most interested in is the Jets and the Dallas Stars. 7.30 start tonight. The Jets plus 121 road underdogs. Dallas Stars minus 143. Total on the game is six goals. Uh, and if we dig in a little bit, let's see what do we have for uh, for player goals. Uh, Jason Robertson and Kyle Connor, obviously the two most prolific goal scorers in these games. Robertson plus 152. Kyle Connor plus 161. Rupi hints at plus 180. Pavelski plus 185. Ehlers plus 195. And Mark Scheifele, who had that hot start on Friday with two goals what? for the Winnipeg Jets at plus 230. How Oh, he's plus. That seems low or high. I don't know what the terminology is. It does seem a little high. I feel high like he'd when... be more of a favorite to score than than that. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, when Kyle, the bottom line is it's also who's on that line. And I think more often than not, it'll be Shite, or, uh, Ehlers and Connor being the trigger guys. Uh, but hey, it was Shifley number one. And by the way, we didn't really mention that freaking pass that Pierre-Luc Dubois put on for Mark Shifley's second goal was absolutely gorgeous um you got uh, plenty of other things you got period goals you got player assists player shots kyle connor shots on goal over two and a half minus 167 i'm sure he gets that yes uh mark shifley over two and a half plus 130 if you think that mark shifley is going to keep on ripping the puck or at least putting it on net maybe you want to jump on that again plenty of options just click on the game you'll see everything that's there other games tonight in the national hockey league all numbers courtesy of our friends at coolbet.com by the way use the promo code wst if you haven't played a cool bet before hook you up with a 100 bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit paul maurice had a nice start couple wins for the panthers there in boston to take on the bruins panthers minus 132 favorites the kings minus 139 favorites on the road for the detroit red wings who've had a great start wings plus 119 home underdogs penguins Laying 250 on the road against the Montreal Canadiens. The Rangers back at home, minus 244 in their fourth game of the regular season. The Leafs, wow, we haven't seen a favorite this big in a while. Minus 500 at home against the Arizona Coyotes. And it's only minus 109 on the puck line of minus two and a half. Wow. I think we'll be seeing a lot of that for the Arizona Coyotes this year. Two other games, Canucks at Caps, Vancouver plus 111, underdogs on the road. And the Avalanche, a slight favorite, minus 122, going into Minnesota to take on the Wild. They've had a rough start 
for their season at 0-2. Wild plus 104. Jets and Dallas, as we mentioned in the final game, West Coast game, Carolina Hurricanes minus 161. Seattle Kraken plus 138. So uh, plenty of hockey for us to sprinkle on and maybe even parlay that with the football game as well. Are you expecting better things from the Denver Broncos, Remo, or are you done on Russell Wilson and the Broncos? Not even going to turn it on. Actually, that's <laughs> not true. That's not true. Uh, the last time I didn't even bother. They're so bad. It's laughable. Um, they can't score touchdowns. He just being these inaccurate throws, getting sacked. I can't. I can't do it. I'll be watching the Jets game. I'm doing some DraftKings lineups already, so I'll probably be watching the I, this Leafs Coyotes game. Uh, I think Vimelka's starting us. I remember he had a really good game against them last year, and Leafs fans are nervous. I saw Dom tweeting out that the Leafs record when they're like better than minus two hundred favorites is like they play worse as huge favorites. That's the big narrative. In so Toronto we should, we right should now. be hammering the plus 385 money line for the Coyotes behind the uh, uh, NHL's best-kept secret, Carl Vemelka. I can't do it. I don't think I could do it, but like, I'm going to be playing Austin Matthews in, in DFS. But um, if you hate the Leafs, uh, you know, I guess there's a decent opportunity. They did lose to Montreal already this year, who's big underdog to Pittsburgh, who's looked good. Pittsburgh minus 250, as you said. So... Uh, I'm looking at those games. This Colorado Wild, as you said, Wild's given up, what, seven goals in uh, in two games, uh, two straight games to the Rangers. And then they did um, the other day. I forget who was there who put up uh, seven on them. And uh, there is one late game. I'll have to tune into Hurricanes Kraken. So as Grubauer rebounded from last year's performance. So a lot of games on tonight, but most of them are in the start at six and seven. Um, only one late game. That's kind of disappointing. Yeah. I like the late game. Wow. Minnesota. Oh, and two and seven goals against per game. That is not the start that, uh, Dean Evison was expecting to get from his club. I know they're making a switch in net tonight. We'll see whether that uh, helps them out. Oh, interesting. If you look at the TSN, um, if you look at the TSN standings, they actually have a odds to win the division in it. Uh, it's saying Dallas is eight to one, Nashville's ten to one, St. Louis six to one, Jets fifteen to one, and of course the Colorado Avalanche, the heavy favorite at minus one forty-five. Uh, but you can get to Cool Bet for all of your uh, props and uh, lines for tonight's game. And again, if you haven't already, jump in our Winnipeg Sports Talk League on DraftKings if you want to get in on our nightly hockey pools. I will be putting together a team right after Winnipeg Sports Talk to get in on it tonight and have to figure out which Jets are going to be uh, rostered this evening uh, by me. Folks, great stuff today. And um, thanks again for being with us. Thanks for all the support on Friday. Uh, we will figure out a date for the next suit show you asked for it you earned it with all the likes so um we'll certainly be doing that for you very very soon uh but other than that have a great one tonight enjoy both of the games football of course jets and dallas stars dropping the puck at 7 30 we'll wish rick bonus a big get well soon and hopefully we'll be talking about him being behind the bench and making his season debut on wednesday but first things first we'll see whether the jets can do a solid for their sick coach and get a win against his former team tonight in Dallas against the Stars. Thanks to Ted Wyman. 
Thanks to Jeff Hamilton and a big thanks to Dave Poole. And if you missed that, just go earlier into the show on YouTube and check it out. Uh, it was a great way to get this week started. And tomorrow we'll have the latest on the Winnipeg Jets as they continue their first road trip of the season, as well as the Canadian Football League. And of course, maybe a full wrap of the National Football League because I know we talked a lot of hockey today and I needed a little bit of time before getting into the Chiefs-Bills results as well. Folks, check the lock shop if you want more on tonight's um, Monday Night Football game with myself and Dusty. And other than that, enjoy the games tonight. Thanks for being with us. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and podcast, and we'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. right here on WST to break down the Dallas game and look ahead to the next two for the Jets on the road. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.